Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. up how you doing gunner I, I was waiting for you to say something i, no, I, I was just I, kind of enjoying the groove man you okay gotta, sometimes right. you got to do that you know you what like I mean? that you like that you like that yes sometimes you have to every once in a while just 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 follow the beat of your own drummer gunner that's, that's why i mean. tell that's why i tell you periodically sometimes when, when we have our theme music on mm-hmm. you just need to lay your hand on your computer and let the vibe flow through <laughs> just take you yes it just yes. puts you in a proper frame of mind for what's to come I agree with that. I agree with that. What's up, Mo? What's up, John Dickerson? What's up, Mr. Taz? What's up, Leo? What's up, Chris D? What is up, Jim G? Hope you guys are all all good on this Friday Eve. Uh, he is Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. Hi. Hi, everybody. How are we doing? Uh, good to see you, as always. You all right? Did you have a good night? You have, you have a good night last night? Good day? Today? Yes. Yes, except for um, the Phillies game was a little frustrating. It was. Um, but that's, that's what the Brewers do. They nickel and dime you to death, you know, um, and once you get to the back end of their bullpen, uh, are we talking baseball now or no? Yeah. Are we, are we saving it? No, we're talking. Well, we're, we're not saving today. We're going to come right out of the shoot. <laughs> you know, the interesting thing about the Brewers, you know, we talked about going into this series, you know, a Brewers being in a minus column in a run differential, and yet they were 10 games over 500. But then you realize once they get to the back end of their bullpen, mm. You know, we talk about how lethal the Phillies back end of the bullpen in is. Uh, the Brewers is equal to just about anybody in the National League. You know, including last night's game, they have not – the back end of their bullpen has not given up an earned run now in 19 and two-thirds consecutive innings. Oof. Yeah, I that's mean, impressive. They're good. They throw – they have nasty stuff. Yes. Nasty. Yeah, and, and they got a nice array of, of talent that on the back end, three or four guys on the back end. And once, once they, uh, I'm not showing hometown love, Sean. I'm just giving you facts, man. No, it's true. That's all. Just no, giving facts. Man. I mean, there might be some hometown love, but but it just surprises me. I'm sitting there going, because you know, I don't get to see the Brewers much, and I'm like, how in the world is this team ten games over 500? And then you find out, you start doing a little research and realize that back in because they're, they're a light hitting team. They're not a power hitting team. Yeah, but they'll spray you to death. You know, and, you know, Phillies, Phillies could, again, Phillies could have won that game. But, you know, Rob, they have not got on one of these lengthy streaks. We talk about they've had, what, seven different, I think you said seven different winning streaks. Of at least four. Yeah. They're usually right around four. Yeah. I, I know you, I know you're playing, Sean. No, it's all good, brother. Um, but I'm waiting for them to get on one of those streaks like the Braves or, you know, like Dodgers or one of yeah. those teams. Arizona. Massive run. Yeah. They haven't done that yet. You know, and just when you think they're about to go here, they hit a roadblock. Then they start and they hit a roadblock. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 look, I hate to do the old Cliff Lee. It's just baseball, but you're not winning every game. Like if they can come back and win today and get the series, you know, I'm good. Just keep chopping away at series. But you're right. I mean, that the key to a lot of times, not so much Burns, who, who's pitching today, who's, you know, really, really good. He's really good. Is, yeah. 
is to get to their get to their starters. Don't let the bullpen. Don't let it be a bullpen game because you. That's no. where you get yourself in trouble with this Brewers team. That bullpen is really really good. You're right. It was weird last night, Derek. So uh, I think it was in the sixth. Sixth. Bryce, yeah, Bryce Harper had an at bat against Hobie Milner, who's a former Philly. Now. He's a funky pitcher. He's a lefty with a weird sort of sidearm. You know, it's not an easy, he's not an easy guy to pick up. And he's having a good year. To the Brewers' credit, they've really. With that submarine a, style. Yeah, and they've helped develop him because he was just kind of a guy when he, when he was here. So they're give Milwaukee credit. But um, so he's a tough guy to pick up. Harper had faced him one other time in his career and he struck out against him. But Harper stood there. And it looked like what it what it reminded me of was back in the day when pitchers used to still hit, right? When a guy was just just couldn't hit to save his life, and they were like, right. "Dude, just don't even exert yourself. Just go up there and take three. You know, one of those exactly where he had no intent of swinging. So he works a full count and strikes out looking. Never took the bat off his shoulder. Never really got into the stance that you usually see him in. He it looked like he was being intentionally walked, which he wasn't. So it was really weird. And then after the game. Rob Thompson said basically, hey, he, he he was he doesn't pick this guy up great. He was just kind of waiting, you know, kind of he was taking the first two at least. I don't know what happened. He didn't didn't get the bat off his shoulder. And Thompson sort of reiterated the same thing today before the game, saying he was just trying to get a feel for Milner, et cetera. It looked to be more than that. And I, you know, I don't know that he was fully right last night. There was there was talk he was sick during the game, too. He didn't have a voice and all this other stuff. Some people were speculating maybe he did something to, to his back or whatever. I don't know. I mean, he got a hit in the next at bat. Exactly. When, when was the last time you ever saw Bryce Harper go to a plate and not take at least one swing? No. I've never seen that. Yeah. he was, To me, he was standing there like he was waiting for an intentional walk. Yeah. It was you know? weird. I, I, think, I think Thompson was protecting him from something. What exactly? I don't know. But now, he's in the lineup today. He's yeah. DHing. Now the count started 0 and 1. Then it got to 3 and 1. And I'm thinking, okay, he might take a pitch. But when it gets to 3 and 2, that's when you dig in. You got to hack. You, yeah, you got to be ready. Now, if it's, hey, look, if it's a borderline strike and you didn't like it and you took, okay, whatever, that's different. Yeah. He looked like he had no intention of swinging the bat. And that third strike came right down the middle. That was right in his wheelhouse. 100%. And I'm sitting there going, I've never seen it. It blew up on Twitter last night. And I'm yep. like, what in the world was he thinking? You know, I, it was you unlike him. Yeah, you yeah. hear all these rumors and things like that. But like you said, if he was bothered by something, whether he tweaked his back, whether he was about to throw up, what he came back his neck next to back got a solid base hit. Yeah, I, it's it, here's the thing. If if Harper's well enough to speak today, uh, I'm going to be very curious because they are going to follow up. Uh, the, the the writers will follow up with him today for sure. So we'll see. I, I don't buy it. I don't buy that he was just getting a feel for Milner. And I know he's only faced him twice, but I think there was more to it than that. I agree. Yeah. Very weird. So they lose, uh, but they're they're still in that third wild card spot. And again, if they win today, they take two out of three from Milwaukee uh, as they head to the uh, to weekend action. So that's where the uh, the Phillies are. We're five days out, Gunner, from the Eagles. Did, did you happen to see... You just keep glowing and glowing. I am happy about it. I am so happy about it. I can't wait. Honest to God, I can't wait. Did you happen to see uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson's comments on... Oh, yes. Philadelphia fans? Oh, yes. What is that all about? I don't know, but first of all, he's sitting there playing a video game. Yeah. And I guess he's fielding questions from people as well. 
and somebody must have asked him, what is the one thing you didn't like about Philadelphia? And he starts dropping F-bombs about Philadelphia fans. You knew that was going to catch fire real quick. Here's what, here's what I don't get. Yeah, I know, like, we, we our chat can speak to this, too. Yeah. The whole time that, that they were negotiating with him or whatever ended up happening before he officially signed with the Lions, fans wanted him back badly. Yes, like, they did. He was probably priority one, even ahead of Hargrave, who had 11 sacks last year for most yep. fans. Yep. Right? This is what I don't understand. The fans wanted you badly. Yes, you left, and there's always going to be a faction of fans that are like, "Oh, screw you! You did, you left us." You know, you know, whatever. That's that's sports. That's life. There was way more support than there was hate. Yeah, weird reaction from that guy who got really nothing but love when he was here last year either. And it's one of the reasons, in my opinion, why New Orleans had no problem getting rid of him. And I think we'll see what happens in Detroit. That he's he's kind of a creep. To be, to be honest with you, I, I don't remember any negative. I don't remember anything negative towards him uh, coming out of Philadelphia. Better he answer the door. Early. Oh, yeah. It never fails. At least once a week. Oh. Sets the dogs off. So I got three dogs barking downstairs now. Oh, like boy. they're trying to attack the door. They're in crates or in, in a room, but still. <laughs> you, know, it's, it, you know, timing is everything in life. Right? I hear you. Um, but I don't, I don't remember ever hearing anything negative towards cj it's a matter of fact people were praising him from the moment the eagles made the deal to get him here yeah and of course him tying the league in in um uh interceptions, interceptions. yeah six yep. and then of course he made the big hit i believe it was on um uh with mckinnon or was it pacheco in, in the super bowl pacheco people love this dude man yeah. and for him in late July to come out and say that about Eagles fans. Now, if you're upset about not being an Eagle, you need to talk to your agent, not the fan base. Well, it was weird because he, yeah, you're right. So he is, he's playing a video game last night and he's live streaming it. Okay. Um, and, and a question was asked by a fan, what his favorite part about playing in the city of brotherly love was, right. um, you know, and as well as what he loathed about it. So he said, my least favorite is the people. Uh, they're yep. bleeping obnoxious. I bleeping can't stand those bleepers. Okay. <laughs> Which was like, dude, that's pretty strong, man. That That is pretty strong for, for a city that really, really <sighs> dug you <laughs> and loved you. So, yeah. Um, anyway, that, that, that's well, all. Let, let I, 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 I won't dig any deeper into it. You being a native Philadelphian. Would you say that there are times that Eagles fans are obnoxious? Yes, I would is say that, I would say I would say the fans in general are can be obnoxious in any sport at times. Yes, and sure. I was going to say, and, and is there a football stadium in America where fans are not obnoxious at times? Yeah, yeah, no, I, and I I do think there are times where some of the heat that players get is unwarranted. I yes. think so. I always go back to this. This is a long time ago, but I'll give you an example where I thought the fans were out of line. Cole Hamels. Um, yeah, good. No, no, I, no, I, and I agree with you. I, yeah. I, I agree with you. But their fan bases in the NFL, they get way more. The, the Raiders fans are obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Uh, 49ers fans can be obnoxious. Um, but ever since I've been in this market, uh, the Eagles, Eagles fan base has gotten, I think, a bad reputation um, based on stuff that happened 10, 15 years prior to the time I arrived here that still carries over to today. I've never seen anything like this in terms of how 
a fan base is perceived on the outside looking in. Yeah. I, um, I think I think you're right. I think what happens is like it here's the thing to me. Like if you start going back and referencing Santa Claus getting, you know, snowball yeah. like I, you're automatically discredited in my eyes. If that's if that's really what you're you're gonna go back to 69, you know, that, that that's pathetic. Um but the the whole it's just Philadelphia that's obnoxious yeah. is, is absurd. Like I, the one thing I thought that was I was going to say that was out of line is it, like Cole Hamels won the NLCS MVP and the World Series MVP for the Phillies. Now he didn't get off to a great start in two thousand nine, and he, he got like basically you know booed really heavily. I, I like to me you earn a little bit of grace period for, from a boo. I thought that was a little bit out of line. Now, I'm just giving you one example. There have been other areas where I thought they came down a little bit too hard on guys, but for the most part, if you give effort. You're going to get a lot of leeway, and and yes. CJ GJ, you know, he gave effort when he was here. He played well when he was here. It was a it was simpatico. They, he got a lot. The fans really liked him. I think he's reacting to what a minority of people did when he left, where they got on him. It's like, dude, are you are you that thin skinned that there was a couple people like Derek? We could sit here and we could we could have the best show we ever had, right? Yes, have a lot of fun, laugh, talk a lot of Eagles. They're great points, great guests. There's going to be one or two people that are like, these two suck, or this show stinks, or this is blah, 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 blah. I, well, why didn't you talk about X or, okay, yeah. or whatever? And and I know it's a little bit of his human nature that that, for some reason, that stuff sticks in your brain more than, hey, thanks, guys. Great show. Like, it's, it is just weird human nature. Right. right. But you also have to understand that the large majority of the people were behind you in a big way. And, and to go that strong is crazy. I um. I have uh, shared with a lot of fellow journalists, especially upcoming journalists, wannabe journalists, uh, one constant, no matter how nice you are, no matter how professional you are, there's always a contingent of people out there that's always looking for something negative. They may not like your voice. They may not like the color of your skin. They may not like your style of clothing, your hair. There's always somebody looking for something negative. If you worry about trying to appease everybody, you'll drive yourself nuts right out of the industry. Mm-hmm. But if you stay true to who you are, you win over the majority of the people. Mm-hmm. And that's all you can do. That's Just be who you are. Don't be a stick. Don't be a character. Be who you are and let that carry you. You can't please everybody but you know, because there's just a collection of miserable people out there that are going to be negative and miserable no matter what. We see it on, we see it on social media every day. Yep. Every day. Yeah. You know, and so you... you and I don't understand the people that get into jawjacking conversations with people. You, you're not going to win those conversations if nothing else. You've given them what they wanted. Right. You're giving them air, like yeah, for you're people, giving them air and you're giving them clicks. You're giving them additional followers. Why, yeah. why would you do that? That's the thing, and that's where look. And again, there's a there's a discipline to it. There's you, you know where you just got to kind of ignore. But you also have to have perspective too sometimes, and understand that it would be you know that that again that the majority of the people really like you. And this is also, look, he didn't have a great reputation uh, coming here. No, there, a, there, no. There were folks in New Orleans that said, he's talented. Nobody's going to argue that, but he's also a difficult guy. That was that was the the knock that you heard. He was difficult. Exactly. Right? So, yeah, John Dickerson says, I, I, usually, I usually say, I wish D-Gun was as nice as Rob. <laughs> That's not going to happen, John. Now, Rob's a different kind of nice. No, it's not going to happen. Um, no, but I mean, I, I, that's why he, you know, I think it's maybe one of the reasons why the Eagles didn't go to the mat to bring him back was there may have been some some other stuff here um, with him. And we'll see how it goes in Detroit. Like, I, I guarantee you this, he starts getting burned. You know, some some guy beats him on a 50-yard bomb. Yeah. 
Detroit fans aren't going to be saying, "Hey, it's okay, go get them, CJ, GJ." Like they're gonna they're gonna give you heat too, no. and you're gonna turn on them like you turned on Eagles fans. Weird, probably. Weird. He could be one and done in Detroit. So yep. you know, I yep. mean, let's face it, the, the guy is a talented player. Yeah, and for him to be able to convert from corner to safety in a short amount of time, they didn't play at a high level. Uh, it t- just tells you about his uh, athletic prowess and ability to adjust. But y- you basically have cut off your nose to spite your face in terms of coming back to Philadelphia. Let's say there was a possibility. You know, he's got a what one year deal in Detroit. Yeah. Let's say Howie Roseman said, you know what, we can be fit fit him under the cap in twenty four. He ain't coming through these doors now. Mm-mm. There's no way he's coming back here. No. So, nope. Burning um, Bridges is never... probably not going back to New Orleans. Right. And when other teams here, now there's other teams that are going to shy away from him in the future because of that. He's committing professional suicide doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. Very, uh, very strange approach, you know, for sure. Uh, the Saquon Barkley thing, and we're going to have Pat Leonard on at two o'clock from the New York Daily News uh, to dig deeper into this, Derek. But uh, he was on a, a podcast called Money Matters. Now, this was a this was a while ago. It wasn't in the last day or so, and they right. just released it now. And um, I, I want to make sure I'm giving you know it full context because the the way it was put out there in a lot of capacities wasn't full context. But he said, "Hey, you know, am I getting to the point where I'm going to say, you know, bleep you to the Giants, bleep you to my teammates, bleep you to the city?" Yeah, maybe I am, he said, but that's not really in my character. That's something I'd have to consult with my people, my family, my whatever, my handlers and and all that other stuff. There's no doubt this guy's angry. And there's also a story that we'll talk to Pat Leonard about where he sat down with the, with Wellington Mara, the owner, and he thought they were they were like on the same page. He came out of the meeting and he called his agent and was like, get it done. Like, I, I know we're right, close. Right, let's right. just get this thing done and let's let's roll. And it didn't happen on the Giants end. He. He's he. I guarantee you, he's not going to lose game checks or any of that. He'll play, but I don't know that his future is long for the for the New York Giants at the way this whole thing's been handled, Derek. I, I really don't. Um, I'm not going to disagree with you, Rob. But we've seen so many players take similar stances. I'm not showing up for training camp, so on and so forth. And then somewhere during the course of a season, something gets ironed out. You know, and I think it falls. I think it falls into that category. Um, I think the Giants' uh, brain trust will regroup. Uh, it may not be until the season starts. Um, look at the situation and realize just how much he means to this offense, especially if he gets a, a seal of endorsement from from Brian Dayball. And if Brian Dayball says, I need this young man in my offense to make this offense that much better, they'll find a way to get it done. Yeah. You know, Um but we've seen so many players say the same thing when it comes to the franchise tag. Things so, sometimes they get done before the deadline in the summer. Sometimes they don't. All of a sudden, it pops up. Hey, a deal's done once the season starts. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand this frustration. I, understand, I thoroughly understand the frustration of running backs across the board in the National Football League. But I cannot just I cannot believe that the Giants will be that dumb and, and not take care of this young man, considering. How, how much an integral force. I would say that when you start with the most important weapons in that Giants offense, it starts with Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, all right, so we'll again, we'll get into that a, a little bit later. Sixers add two coaches to the staff, not really well-known names, but guys who have worked with Nick Nurse in the past, Brian Gates and Matt Brace. They, they both worked with Nick back in the day at the G League level. They know each other very well, uh, so they bring them on board. So two, two names added there. 
James Harden has scrubbed all of his social media of anything Sixers. Oh, this is so 2023, isn't it? (laughs) What are we doing here? Oh, Oh, God, he's taken down his his Sixers logo on his his uh, various media sites. Yeah, Uh, um, I think the fan base is truly hurt by the fact that he's disowning Philadelphia right now. Yeah, okay, whatever. It's enough already. Just enough. Let's. What do, you, what do you What do you gain by doing it? You don't you see, gain look, anything. Kyler Murray did it before he got his contract. Other players in other sports do, and all of a sudden it's back up once you get something result. What do you, What are you it's doing? Childish. It's it, it, It's really what it is. It's just so. It's so. It's such a baby move. It's such a high school. I just broke up with my boyfriend, and I'm going to make sure there aren't any. You know, it's like what are we doing here? Exactly. All right. So there's that. I had a question for you, and this this relates to the potential holdout of, of Saquon, of Zach Martin, some of the other, you know, big names that, that are being floated out there. Uh, if you take Hurts out of it, other than Hurts, which players holdout would hurt the Eagles the most? Ooh. Ooh. Take Hurts out of it. You can't wow. have Hurts. Okay. Take Hurts out of it. I have three chan- three possibilities. I'm going to say A.J. Brown. Good answer. Uh, A.J. Brown came in here off the streets. Uh, you could tell right away he had a special relationship with Jalen Hurts. And I can't emphasize enough, he only had 88 catches, but it was almost a 1,500-yard season. Yep. You take 1,500 yards out of that offense, and even though that offense was still flourished, but I don't think it would be as fluid as it was with him in that offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I expect him to have another season close to that as long as he stays healthy. Uh, so I'm going to say A.J. Brown would definitely hurt if he wasn't, in his offense. Great answer. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I think he is, he is so big and we saw what he did last year. Yards per catch yards, touchdowns, 11 of them just going to yep. get better. Great answer. Um, I'd probably say Hassan Reddick. Uh, that's a great answer. You know, if you take 16 sacks out of this, having lost Hargrave already, you know, depending on Brandon Graham getting a little bit older and, and Cox getting a little bit older, got you seven last year. I, I, I think that could be a really tough one to overcome because you also couple that with the fact that you, you have a, a safety position that you're not sure about uh, who could really be affected by that if you're not getting to the quarterback. So yep. I, I would I would go um, I would go Reddick just because he was such a force. The other thing that he does, Derek, double teams, keeps keeps tight ends and backs into chip yep. because they're afraid of him, yep. um, which is less guys out in patterns. So like he impacts you in a lot of ways, even if he doesn't get a sack. You know, and he's also a guy who will create fumbles and 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 recover fumbles. He's got a nose for the ball. So uh, not just a one trick pony. I would say Hassan Reddick. There, there's you can make a. Here's a good thing about this team. You could really make a case for like seven or eight guys. There's no question. Left tackle, right yeah. tackle, center. Yep. Um, cornerback. Yeah. You know, there's so many different different ways you could have gone with that answer. Uh, but but the two we gave both great answers. Uh, but you're right. I mean. Every right-handed quarterback needs that solid left left tackle. You know, what quarterback wouldn't want to play with arguably the best, not just right tackle, but offensive lineman in the National Football League? Mm-hmm. You know, Kelsey is still viewed at this stage of his career as the best center in the game today. Um, James Bradbury had a phenomenal year last year. Yeah, I mean, there's great so many year. different ways you could go with that. Well, great year on top of it. You know, you're not really sure about Slay. So, no. you, you know, you need Bradbury to be – phenomenal um so he's yeah like i i i would go like you can go reddick mylotta kelsey lane johnson aj brown james bradbury 
boom, right out of the shoot. And that's, you know, not to mention some other guys. I mean, my lot, I see Paul says my lot, I left side, you know, blind side for sure. Yep. Uh, no question. Any of those guys, I think would, uh, you know, are, are, are a big part of this thing. One of the things we're going to do today, there's a lot of football today. We're going to, we're going to give you, so you want your football fix. You're going to get it. We're going to give you Eagles storylines on both sides of the ball, uh, offense and defense. We'll mix in a little special teams too. We'll do the same thing for the NFL as well. Some of the, you know, big stories out there that you're wondering about. Um, so we'll hit that as well. Uh, we're going to do our greatest series. That'll continue with the Saints. We mentioned we're also going to have Pat Leonard from the uh, New York Daily News. He's going to hop on with us as well. So we got a lot to do today, and it is going to be very, very, very heavy football uh, as we're getting closer here. And and John Dickerson says, don't forget about Sippos. Yes, John. Sippos. <laughs> I should have said, instead of saying can't take Jalen Hurts, you can't take Aaron Sippos. You can take everybody else. Now, now Rob, I will tell you this, because yeah. I do believe Sippos – it's still going to be your punter when it's all said and done. But very seldom has has the Eagle have the Eagles brought in a second punter yes. for a training camp. They really like this kid uh, that they have in here. Kansas now, State kid, yeah. Yeah, they, there may be a possibility. You may get your wish, and the name Sippos will never be mentioned again <laughs> in an Eagles uniform before training camp is all said and done. But uh, when I talk to people in your uh, organization – they really, they really, they like this kid's leg, you know. But can he beat out your guy? I, I don't know. I don't well, know. Well, so um, let me throw this at you too before we before we hit a timeout. Yeah. I know there's been a lot made of the Madden ratings, you know, where certain guys are and all that. All right, tell me if you think this is fair. They have Dallas Goddard as the number five tight end. I'll read to you the other guys, and you tell me if if he should be ahead of any of these. Okay, Kelsey's number one. Kittle's number two. Mark Andrews is number uh, three from the Ravens. TJ Hawkinson of the Vikings is four, and then it's Goddard. I got to tell you, I don't have an issue with that. I don't either, to be honest with you. You could say Goddard four, Hawkinson five, but where they put – I don't have a problem with that. Those are are really, really good tight ends in front of him. You know, very productive, proven proven commodities in this league. I don't have a problem with it. I really don't. don't. I I don't either. I can't say – I yeah. can't say, oh, that, that's Goddard. What Goddard did? Okay, I'm not mad. Hawkinson stayed healthy. Okay, Goddard didn't. That's what Tone said. That's a valid point, also. Yeah. Uh, so, no, so no, I have no problem with with where he's ranked. Because it's rank. not just based on skill. Like if I just based it on skill, I might put him at three. But he hasn't, you know, not his fault. But he hasn't been able to stay on the field for 16, 17 games. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that hurts him a little bit. Now, yeah. I, the rest of the list is pretty interesting. Uh, they have Kyle Pitts as number six for the Falcons. Darren Waller, now of the Giants, is number seven. Pat Fryermuth, who's with the Steelers, uh, as number eight. Uh, David Njoku uh, from the Browns at number nine. And Evan Ingram. He is a good one. And Evan Ingram is, is 10. I think it's a pretty fair list. Wait, did you, say, did you say Waller? Waller's seven. Waller yeah. seven. It goes after Goddard. It's Pitts, Waller, Fryermuth, and Joku, and Evan Engram. That's if, the- if 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 Pitts had stayed healthy last year, I would expect Pitt to be in the top five. Also, yep, he is a phenomenal talent, man. Yep. You know this this guy is like a Tony Gonzalez, a tight end with with wide receiver you know attributes, mm-hmm. and you know he he lost valuable time last year. But when the rankings come out next year, if he stays healthy. I'd be shocked if he's not in the top four or five next year. I'm with you. Yeah, I love I'm everything about that kid. But, uh, you know. And JM's right. Waller, you know what's funny? 
I was watching uh, one of the games from last uh, last season last night. Raiders it game. was the the 49ers playing uh, the Raiders. Yeah. And that game went to overtime. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. Darren Waller made some unbelievable catches in yeah. that game. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, now he's in a Giants uniform. Yeah. He's got to stay know, healthy, but yeah. He's got to stay healthy, but he is a phenomenal talent. Man. He is. You, know, you talk about athletic, acrobatic, doesn't drop many. Um I tell you what, that was a big pickup for the Giants. It um, is. It's a little under the radar too, a little bit. You know, uh, yeah. if you have him and Saquon, and we'll you know we'll see with Saquon. Um, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Hey, Tone, let's bring up the uh, the helmets too. I want let, let's let's uh, let's look at the Falcons. Speaking of uh, of Kyle Pitts, so uh, the Falcons are introducing some of these some of these newer styles that they're going to be bringing back. Yep. Check out the uh, check out the red one. Right there, oh yeah, the tone is highlighting there. That's pretty sweet, man. That that is, I'm liking that look. I like yeah. the, the falcon look to it too, and yes. the helmet. I like both. Yes. I love the color. I love how the decal, the black, the falcon jumps out on the red helmet. Yeah. It looks like to me, it looks like a Georgia helmet with the red with the falcons logo on it. It does. It but it but it's it pops. That's a that's a helmet that pops. Now don't well, get me wrong. I'm not yeah. I'm not against the black helmet. Yeah, but yeah. something about that red helmet, I just like the way it jumps out, man. I kind of so told, can you, yeah, that, that, is sharp. That, that looks good, man. And you know what? It actually kind of looks like South Carolina a little bit. Yes, right? the Gamecocks. Um, yep. With, yeah, with the black stripe down the middle. Um, but I like that. Tell, I right, tell him, give me the white one if you could. I don't know that I love the logo on the white one, Gunner. Uh, I, I it's a, it feels like a little too thick or something for me. All right, let's see. Let's see. Where's the white the, helmet? Yeah, go, go. Actually, that, that one I like better. Tell him, the one you're on now, bring that one up. I do kind of like that one. Um, I, I don't do, mind that, but I like it. Be- I like it better if it had to be the black face guard on, like the helmet next the to black it. cage, the black, the black cage. cage on it. Yeah, I would like it better. I don't like it with the red cage on it. Kind of looks the like white, temple. That white helmet's not bad though. Yeah, you know, it's kind of got a um, temple feel to it. The, the with the red cage. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's squeezing temple somehow. But um, I think I think the logo yeah. would pop more with the black cage on it. I do like the one next to it to the left with the with the matte black the 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 the, the helmet you know uh, the, the sort of different vibe of the field of the helmet that's cool okay that looks good too let's see I like the red I like the red bird on the black helmet I like that design yeah that's what I'm saying the one to the left of the of the helmet okay the left okay yeah I, I like that one better um yeah I'm, the one you know, looking at down. all the Falcons helmets I don't see one on the on there I don't like yeah I like I there we talked about you know I think it was yesterday we talked about uniforms their uniforms aren't yep. bad I, Atlanta's got pretty pretty sweet you know uniforms I like that. yes um all right so we'll come back Phil the Eagles make an addition uh they add somebody uh from the past who's going to be coming back so we'll do that and we'll get storylines on the offensive side. We'll start on the offensive side of the ball when we return. He's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. We're going to talk right now about Bravo Pizza of Havertown because it's 1230. 1230 in the East, at least. People are hungry. I get it. I'm hungry, too. Just I, I got your fix. You, you, you stop in or you call up Bravo Pizza and you get yourself a pizza, a wrap, a salad, a uh, some fresh pasta, a sandwich, whatever the case may be because they have it all uh, happy that they're, they're, they're on board with the channel and the show as well. They've been family owned since 1985. 
I've been going there since I was a kid, and I go there every single week, and I check out Alex and the crew making the best pizza available. They have slices to go. They have 20 different styles of pizza. They have specialized pizza your way, as I mentioned, more than just pizza. Really, whatever you're in the mood for. And Bravo Pizza is also committed to the community. They have fundraisers for charity schools, little leagues where the proceeds go to those organizations. You can follow them on Instagram and Facebook at the Bravo Pizza of Havertown for daily specials, promotions, the menu. It's all there. All right. They're at 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa Shopping Center, Havertown. Give them a call. 610-446-3810. 610-446-3810. Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Derek, I'm Rob. Sports take. What is wrong with you? I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. We had a little 
little music hiccup there. Happens. Happens, man. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's talk some birds there. So they bring back Dennis Kelly. You remember Dennis Kelly? He was originally yep. drafted by the team in 2012 in the fifth round out of Purdue. Was here a couple of years. Got traded for Doriel Beckham Green, which turned out to be a disaster. If yep. you remember that, he just flat out couldn't play. Um, you know, and to, t- to Kelly's credit, he kind of looked like a borderline NFLer, and he's he's carved out a really nice career. I mean, the guy's played a long time in the league with Tennessee and the Colts, and, you know, they bring him back for a little bit of depth. Okay. I mean, you know the guy's a pro and knows how to go about his business. You just wonder how much he has left in the tank. Exactly. Um, basically, they were short. They were short of guard in training camp, so obviously they need a guard rotation for depth. Um, they want to see if he has anything left in the tank, you know. He could be. He would be a nice addition to guard. You know, he's a bigger body. You know, the Eagles love these big dudes in the offensive line, man. Yeah. You know, that's why that's why Cam Jurgens being the runt of the litter on the offensive line at 6'3". They love their 6'5", 6'6", 6'8", guys on that offensive yeah. line, except for the center position. You know, Dennis Kelly, he knows he knows what is expected of him here with this organization. He's been he's been through these doors before. He knows the culture here. Um and of course, he's he, he's he's under the tutorship of of Jeff Stoutland. So yeah. you know he's in a perfect place. If he's going to extend his career one more year, he's in the right place to to try to do that. Six eight, three hundred and twenty one pounds. So you you weren't lying about the size. But yeah, he was an eagle from from twelve through fifteen. He played a, a decent amount of time in Tennessee. He was there from sixteen to twenty. Uh, then it's been Green Bay, the Colts, and now now to the Eagles. So we'll see. I mean, he. No, look, if he makes it, great. You, you got some depth and you got a guy, at least when you, if you had to throw him in there, you know, you, you feel like the guy's played a lot. of. He's had a lot of experience. There isn't anything he hasn't seen uh, in the NFL. So uh, there's that. All right, let's uh, let's dip into our storylines here, Derek. We'll, we'll start on the offensive side of the ball, on the side of the ball where, uh, where Dennis Kelly plays. All right, so here we go. How much can slash will Jalen Hurts improve in 2023 from what he did in 2022? Well, I know, I know Jalen will tell you and, and the coaches will tell you there's always something you can improve on, um, you know. But when you look at what he accomplished last year, I mean, he completed 66% of his passes. He only threw six interceptions. He, he ran the ball 165 times for 760 yards. He finished number two in, in the MVP voting, and he missed two games. Um, how much better – can he get um, is reading defenses, calling audibles at the line of scrimmage, uh, making certain throws, whether it's the out route, the back shoulder throw a little bit better, a little bit tighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are things that we don't know until they share those things with us. Right. But the Jalen Hurst that played in 2022 is by far good enough to, to, to have an exceptional season in 2023 and lead this team right back to another Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, and to think the scary thing is he's only 24 approaching 25, right? You know? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is crazy. Like, here's what I expect. I do expect him to get better. Uh, w- what's the variance? Like how much better can he get? I think he can, I think where you're going to see the improvement is just understanding what he's seeing in terms of coverages and whatnot, a little bit better, which will mean a little less quick to take off in the pocket. Now, right. Not that it was a big problem last year, and he definitely got better going through his progressions, but I think that's the thing that you'll see a little bit is just his understanding, things still slowing down for him, which happens to all quarterbacks, and allowing him to maybe dump it off to DeAndre Swift or 
connecting with Dallas Goddard uh, if maybe your receivers aren't there or whatever. That's that's where I expect to see the improvement out of him. You know, the great thing is you don't need any improvement in terms of leadership or in terms of uh, work ethic or or you're not in any way, shape or form going to be worried about the big contract that he that he signed. Any of that. That's all. That's great. You don't have to give yourself a second thought with that kind of stuff with him. So that's what I love about it. But I think he'll be the first one to tell you there's things he he won't reveal it because why would he? Why would he give an advantage to to a defense? Exactly. But he'll be the first one to tell you I can get better at stuff. And, and you know, I think that's good. But that also the other good thing is that's where Nick Sirianni and Brian Johnson and uh, what's his name? Tansy, who's the, the quarterback coach now who got yeah. elevated. They'll all they're all not afraid. They know he's not the kind of guy who's going to, you know, crater to, to, to any kind of constructive criticism or coaching. You can coach him up and yes. respond to it rather than I, I got this. I, he's not a Carson Wentz know-it-all or a Kyler Murray. I got this. He he'll, he's he's a listening guy. It may, it may be something as subtle as stepping into his throws a little bit more to get a little bit more velocity on certain throws. You know, just just little things uh, to tweak your game. I just hope the Eagles don't get to a point. I don't think they will, where they want to make him more of a pocket presence, more so than um, a, a running quarterback. Because we see a lot of times quarterbacks like the Lamar Jacksons, who basically has said. We're going to throw the ball down the field more to what degree to where it makes you a less of a dual threat. Right. I hope we don't get to that point. At some point of, of Jalen Hurts' career, he's going to become that more pocket presence because it's less wear and tear on the body to do so. And I think Lamar Jackson is at that stage of his career now. He was this phenomenal weapon who ran like the ran, ran for a thousand yards, won an MVP based on his legs as much as his arms, but as we've seen over the last couple of years, he has missed significant time because of his running nature. Right. And I think Jalen is going to continue to use that attribute for at least another couple of years mm-hmm. of being that so-called consummate dual threat. Now, he will evolve more into a stay-at-home type quarterback out of necessity. That's understandable, but for right now, don't do anything that hinders his overall game. Now, I've said it, I've begun on record time and time again. I want to see him run the, the ball less. Yeah, but I, I would like to see him become a little bit more like a Patrick Mahomes. Give the presence that you're going to take off and run to freeze a safety, a linebacker, a cornerback to the point where a receiver can free up down the field somewhere. Yeah, because once he gets outside the pocket, you know coverages are looking at one eye at him and one at the person they're covering. You take one eye off the person you're covering, all of a sudden they're this way or this way, and you're like three or four yards away from him. Zip, he's getting the ball there. So if that's the case, I would like to see him float outside the pocket a little bit more to buy time for himself, but also give the illusion that he could take off at any given moment. I agree. All great points. All right. I want to let's stay on that for a minute here, just with the offense in general. So last year, Derek, they averaged 28.1 points per game. That was third best in the NFL, right below the Bills. Bills are 28.4. So they're right there. Kansas City was 29.2, okay? So you're you're talking about the top three teams right there in football. How much better can the offense be generally this year than they were last year? Number three in offense, averaging almost 390 yards a game. 10th in pass. Number uh, five in rushing. Yep. uh, 148 yards a game. And third in points. The only way you get better is if you go up to number one across the board in all these categories. And with teams like Kansas City and Buffalo out there, I don't know. I think it's going to be neck and neck just like it was this year. Mm-hmm. I think this uh, this offense, um, you know, I, I don't know, using the word explosive, 
expl as explosive as they were in 2022. I just expect more of the same. Yeah, I do too. I was with you. Yep. Um, I, I don't think the offense has to get better, just maintain its consistency like it did for most of the season last year. Yeah. Well, they had a couple of, of hiccups, obviously, because Jalen Hurts was not under center. That's understandable when your franchise quarterback is not there. But for the most part, I mean, what else could you ask of an offense? Think about how many offenses in the National Football League, at least 28 offenses in the National Football League, wishes wishes they could have been what the Eagles were. I agree. Look, yeah, it, it, there isn't a lot of room to go up. I mean, the good thing is you, you, you're going to it's, it's going to be different at running back, but I still think it can be equally effective. Uh, yes. You know, we don't know about the guard spot. That's, you know, the one question mark you have. But I, you know, there's no reason to believe that your receivers can't get better because they're still young. And, you know, and A.J. Brown's still, you know, in his second year, full year with Jalen. Devontae Smith's in his third full year as a player. Uh, Dallas Goddard, if he can stay healthy, I'll get to him in a second. But, we'll, you know, we'll, he's, he's another one who's a stud. There's no reason to believe this offense can at least be right where they were, if not better. So we'll, I, I'm with you on, on that one. Um, will Devontae Smith get 1,400 yards receiving? Uh, no. That's a big leap. No. I think, I think it was it's quite evident. As much as Jalen loves uh, Devontae, A.J. is his guy in yep. certain situations. And because, because opponents have such a fear factor of A.J., it makes that slant route, that quick slant route he runs, so lethal. And I think it's going to be more of that. I mean, Devontae Smith had 95 catches and over 1,100 yards. I could say he could equally get to 1,200, but getting to 14, 1,500 because of A.J. Brown and if Dallas Goddard stays healthy and because you have a back in the backfield now and DeAndre Swift who's going to catch his share of balls out of the backfield, I don't think Devontae will get to 1,400 yards. He might get 100 catches this year. Yeah. I don't think he'll get to 1,400 yards. I would say 12 is a good goal for him. He gets yeah. to 12, you know, it's darn good. And look, he's playing somewhere else. Maybe he gets 1,400, but yes. th these are good problems to have that he may be roadblocked a little bit by A.J. Brown and, okay. and Dallas Goddard. Well, his rookie, his rookie year, he almost had 1,000. Yep. He increases that by almost 300 uh, his second year. And I think he settled into where he's going to be, a 90, 90 to 100 catch receiver, great route runner, possession type receiver that can get by a defender in, at any given time. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to it, the home run threat for this team, I think it's the combination of Hurts going deep to, to A.J. And let's face it, look how well it worked for him last year. Mm -hmm. Why would you change that? Agreed. Yeah, this yeah. year. Uh, all right. Who will, uh, who will emerge at that guard spot? Jurgens or Steen? Ooh, Dennis Kelly. <laughs> That's why he's here. That's why they brought him in. Yeah. Did you? I'm just saying, for, just for for giggles. Can you imagine an Eagles offensive line breaking a huddle? You have six five Lane Johnson, six eight Dennis Kelly, six three Jason Kelsey, six six Landon Dickerson, and six eight Jordan Malata. I mean, it's insane. Think of it, like like we talk all the time about how how small Kelsey is. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Like, I'll give you, Gunner. I saw something so funny. I think it was yesterday, uh, before the Phillies game, or maybe it was Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday. So my Lotta uh, was there during BP, and he was right. hanging out with some of the guys. Right. And he's standing next to Kyle Schwarber. Kyle oh. Schwarber looked like a, a child next to him. Kyle Schwarber's a big boy. Kyle Schwarber played li played linebacker and was a Division One recruit at yes. linebacker in high school. Like he's a big. 
dude. He looked like a Smurf next to Jordan Mailata, man. I'm telling you. Jordan Mailata's 6'8", 350. Oh, I mean, it, seriously? It was crazy. He blocked out the sun. But you're right. I, yeah, just for the sheer fun of that, I'd like to see Kelly in there with all the rest of these guys who were like mountain men. Yes. You know, that would just be insane. But but to directly answer your question, I think it's Cam Jurgens' job to win or lose, and he's six three, you know. So you got two six three guys along the offensive line. But I do believe they want to get him on the field, get him as many reps as possible, get him up to game speed. Even if he has to make that transition over to center, it will be a natural progression for him. But you know he's waited patiently in the wings. He's a young player, uh, and I, but I think it's his job to win or lose as of right now. Yeah, I, I look. I think that. This is one where they would rather have the guy who's been here for a year in the system and played to some degree or at least been up close and personal in the NFL, right? I think they would prefer that over a rookie. It just, just, it's only natural that you would want that to be the case. But if either Steen is just out there killing it or, you know, Jurgens looks more like he's struggling because he's a center ultimately. I don't think they'll be afraid to make a move. If you think about it, they plugged almost all these guys across the offensive line, played as rookies, Derek, with the exception of Mylotta. Dickerson did after a couple yeah. of games, right? Yeah. Kelsey started right away at center. This was back in the Howard Mudd days. He started right away at center. Lane started right away. Yeah. So they're not afraid to start these guys, you know, no. as rookies if no. they show you that they're the man. And I, and I think – we we saw a little bit of uh, Jurgens last year, the way he got off the snap, got downfield to the second and third levels, and keep the feet moving. Yeah. I think he's earned that right. You know, there's a reason why they drafted him in the second round. They didn't draft him to just sit on the bench. You know, um, and then they go and draft another kid in the second round, Tyler Steen, who's six six. He's more like the Jurassic Park offensive lineman that the Eagles like to have up front. Right. But I, I think. I think Jeff Stoutland obviously has a big say-so in terms of who he feels should be in there. Mm-hmm. And I think because he's already penciled in as the guy, I think I think Stoutland uh, is, is very comfortable with wh- how he's progressed from his rookie year to now. And, you know, let's see. Now, will he finish where he starts? I don't know. Yeah. Depends on how quickly this kid's steam develops, you know. But I think if Jurgens does what they expect him to do, I think he'll be there from start to finish. Okay. All right. Uh, next question for you: Who who will emerge as the lead running back? Who will be the guy who gets the bulk of the carries? If if you're, it's a playoff Ooh, game. Who's starting carry. here? Yeah, I think if he's healthy, I think it's Penny. Penny. I think they want to use Penny as the battering ram, five eleven, two twenty, to soften up uh, a defense. I mean, the guy's almost averaged six yards per carry in his career when he's healthy. You know, his best career, I think he had 700, 749 yards rushing, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't know if he's going to be there for the duration, but for as long as he's healthy enough to step on the field on game day, I'm using him between the tackles as a battering ram because not only can he break tackles, he has the ability to run away from pursuers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I, I, I that's a tough question to answer because – I do believe it's going to be running back by a, a truly a running back by committee and whoever has the hot hand at any given series of downs is going to be the guy who's in there at that particular time. But just based on how you asked the question, I think he's the guy who who's basically who starts it off uh, to get it going and to try to soften up a defense for the quicker guys like, 
you know, uh, Swift, Gainwell, and, and, and Boston Scott. I'm I'm there. Uh, like I I think it's going to be Swift ultimately, but I'm with you. I do not think they go into this with anything set in stone. No. I I think they're very much. It's going to be a fluid situation from game to game, and whoever's let, let's just say uh, this team really struggles against quicker guys, then it, then it might be a swift game or they struggle with running backs, catching the ball out of the backfield. You don't love their linebackers. You'll right. attack that. That could be a swift game. They're not the best tackling team in the world. They're a little bit small up front. Penny might pound you to death. Like I think it really depends on the matchup of whatever team. They're I agree. Playing. I you agree hundred percent. You know, and the other thing is we know this too. They're not afraid to throw Boston Scott or Kenneth Gainwell in there in, you know, goal line situations or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So you're going to see all four of these guys. Now, is it going to be heavy, Penny, Swift? For sure. It's going to be a lot more of that than it is the other guys. But still, nonetheless, I mean, I think it's – I think they're in a good situation. I think it's unique. These guys are very different, the skill sets that they bring. And I think it it makes them harder to defend. I do. Which, which puzzles me even more so. If Boston Scott was only going to get $2 million, you know, which is what he got from the Eagles, why not go somewhere else – for, to a team that has more of a need for a running back where you can showcase your skills a little bit better and parlay that into better money down the road. Now he's never going to make big money, right? but you know, he could have got four or five, six million from somebody else. Uh, but here he, he decided to stay on the depth chart. Um, and look, he's, he's number four on the depth chart, you know, so his touch is going to be so limited unless it's special teams. It's ridiculous. I wonder was he not even going to get two million somewhere else? Yeah, in this yeah, terrible the, running back market. But the veteran, the veteran minimum is not much, but not much further below what yeah. he got. Yeah, maybe so, I don't know. Maybe he's just comfortable in this. I, I don't know. You know, it's hard. That's hard one to answer. I'm, I'm he, not he's, sure. He's costing himself opportunities and potential money yeah. by staying here. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean. That's is it as simple as he's comfortable here? He likes the area. I don't know. Maybe it's a personal yeah, thing. Yeah. But you're that, right. That just, that just blew me away that he he decided that quickly that he was going to stay here. Yeah. Good guy. I mean, good for the Eagles. It's a, it's good to keep guys like that around. They are Absolutely. valuable, man. They are very valuable. Um. All right. What else did I want to hit you with here? Okay. Goddard. What is the expectation if he can play 16, 17 games from you? Goddard has averaged, even when he was able to play the majority of a season, Goddard has averaged right between 55 and 60 catches. I expect him to be right there. He might might get lucky and, and surpass 60, uh, but I expect him to be right around that number and maybe 800 yards. I think his best season is like 805 or something like that. Yeah. Um, I don't think it'll be that much better. Not to say he doesn't have the phys- physical attributes um, to be a 1,000-yard pass catcher, but I just think with so many weapons that Jalen Hurts has too, so many different variations that Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni can go to in terms of calling, um, calling uh, um, passing plays, I don't think he's going to he, he's going to get those looks like a Travis Kelsey, a George Kittle. Some you know when you look at those teams, those are premier pass catchers. Yeah, you know, and and Goddard could be, but he's he's in such a diversified passing offense that his numbers are going to suffer for the overall betterment of the team. You know, um, I expect the Eagles to do the same thing they did last year. If they're sitting on a lead in the second half, they're going to try to run the ball and control the clock, which means Goddard's not getting the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. Goddard has now become such an accomplished blocker. 
he's going to be counted on the block as much as he is catching the football now. And I can see scenarios, as tough as this schedule is, I can see scenarios where the Eagles are trying to protect a, a close game lead. And if they're running the ball effectively, three, four yards a carry on the average, got it, the ball's taken out of Goddard's hand. So that's why I said right around 60 catches, right around 800, 820 yards. Yeah, I, I, it sounds about right. I mean, look, the biggest thing is, and we all know what it is, stay on the field. He hasn't he hasn't played a full 16 since his rookie year in 2018. Right, right. He's played 15, 11, 15, and 12. So stay on the field. You know, 12 games, 700 yards receiving is still pretty good. Yes. Uh, you know, 12 yards, almost 13 yards per catch. So he's he's a very, very valuable player, man. That that's for sure. And it's a shame. The one fumble he has on his on his record is the one where he got a blatant face mask. Yeah. Remember that, which injured yeah. him. Yeah. So good, good player. Okay. All right. That's uh that, that's interesting. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna jump to the defensive side when we come back. First question, I'm gonna hit you with this. I want you to think about this. I want you to chat the the chat to think about this. Okay. Will Jalen Carter shine i don't mean just yeah it looks pretty good for a rookie i mean this dude's legit as a defensive tackle in the league we'll do that when we come back he's Derek gunn to um, i'm rob ellis two o'clock we'll have pat leonard from the new york daily news to talk about the saquon thing as well so we'll hit that when we when we return all right Derek, rob sports take jacob sports youtube network let's talk about jim murray and principal financial group because knowing who to trust with your finances can be a very scary proposition. And I, I was that person for a very long time. I don't want you to have to go through that, all right? Uh, I could tell you right now, it was the best move that I made trusting Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group. Uh, I've done it with my IRA, with my 401k rollovers from other places that I had been. For you, it could be retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review. You might have a small business and you need help with your employee benefits. That's another resource that Jim can help you with. Uh, and he's also great with any kind of questions. So give them a call, 610-996-4751, 610-996-4751. You could also email him, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y, dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray, dot Jim at principal.com. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Sports Take, let's smash the like button, friends, if we could. We would appreciate that. Jacob Sports uh, YouTube channel, that is Derek. I'm Rob. We're hanging out with you. We're talking Eagles uh, as we are now five days away from training camp uh, beginning for the birds. Not all that far off from when it gets real. Uh, in September uh, against the New England Patriots. All right, we're on the defensive side of the ball, Derek. We just did the offense. We go over to the defense. And the question I asked you, posed to you and our listeners here and viewers uh, before we went to the break is, Jalen Carter, will it be a wow kind of season or will it be, hmm, okay, I like it. Where, where, where were you? Or, hey, I'm disappointed. Where, where would it fall for you? I am I am so fascinated to see this young man's burst off the snap. For a guy 6'3", 315 pounds, he has incredible bursts. It's like a bullet being shot out of a gun. You know, his leverage is incredible. That's why he was ranked one of the top two to three defensive players coming out of the draft. Um, I, I, I think he's going to make people forget about Javon Hargrave, to be honest. I don't know if he'll get 11 sacks in his rookie year, but I do think he'll be in a – if he can stay healthy, I do believe he'll be in a conversation for a defensive rookie of the year. His ability to hold a, hold up a guard and get down the line to close in on running backs, try to shoot to the gap, is phenomenal. He has all the attributes to be an exceptional D tackle in the National Football League. And so that's why I, I just can't wait to see him make this transition. And and like I said, we don't know much about Desai, but we do know that Matt Patricia is, is has made a name for himself in terms of being a defensive guru in, in some regards i expect them to coach him up in a hurry i'm sure he's been working all off season on the things that made him what he was which was a top 10 draft pick in the national football league i think he's going to compliment fletcher cox extremely well this year yeah i i think it's going to be a wow um i i think he's that talented and you can't always get caught up in the numbers at Georgia because of the scheme, because of the way that they shuffle players in and out, because they get big leads in games. The guys don't maybe play as many reps and all those kind of things. I, I think he's going to show you the versatility that you, that the best ones have in the game. I think he's going to be really good against the run. I think he's going to be really good against the pass. I think he's a guy who has the athleticism to be able to beat offensive linemen who maybe aren't super athletic. I think that's a big piece of this thing. No, look, I think he's the real deal, and I think he's going to show everybody why he was taken where he was taken. And I think he's going to show everybody why a lot of people believe that he was the second or third most talented player in the draft. So I, I, I believe in this guy big time. And, and he's, in a, he's in a golden situation because he's not a, a young D tackle that has to play every day. He doesn't have to be a three-down D tackle. He doesn't. Yeah. Now, he might be. 
But you've got Jordan Davis and Milton Williams and Fletcher Cox. You've got a great four-man rotation. And if decides anything like his predecessor, he's going to want to keep these guys as fresh as possible if a game's on the line in the fourth quarter. So, you know, you don't have to overuse him as a rookie, but he can still be so effective. If he's still fresh in the fourth quarter going up against some of these guards, and it's going to take a little bit of time for offenses to learn him, to learn his pluses and minuses. And I think he has way more pluses than minuses in his overall repertoire. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, so then the the follow up to that is Derek. All right, so what what's our takeaway from Jordan Davis after year two? Um, you know, because last year flashes occasionally had some setbacks with injuries for sure. Uh, you know, I, I think maybe conditioning still was playing a part of this, learning the game. You know, but we we I think we went into last year knowing that it was going to kind of be a real learning curve sort of year for him. Like I, I, at least I don't know about you. My expectation is way higher for Jalen Carter this year than it was last year for Jordan Davis. But wh- where are you at with this? No, I, I agree with that. Um, I think Jordan Davis, if he can get his weight under 330, uh, he'll be more energetic. Um, I, I, I liked what I saw of Jordan Davis early on in the season. I didn't like what I saw from him that last game of the season against Kansas City yeah, where he was constantly getting walled off when he was in there. And he didn't play that many plays. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I've never got – nobody's ever gotten a satisfactory answer as to why he only played, what, 10 snaps the entire Super Bowl game? Right. You know, he was healthy. Why did he only play 10 snaps? And the snaps he played, I can't tell you how many times we saw him getting walled off. Now, granted, he was fighting off double teams. But that's supposed to be his forte, his ability to split double teams he wasn't able to do it, you know, and I, this is a huge year for him. You know, when you draft him to where you drafted him, what, 13th, I believe it yeah. was. Yeah. You drafted moved him up, moved up to get him. When you do that, you're telling everybody he's a special player. The scouts have told you he's a special player by drafting him 13th, moving up to get him. You're telling everybody involved. He's a special player. Now he's got to show some of those special special attributes. And I do believe it starts with getting his weight under control. And he has said it during the offseason. He's got to lose a few pounds as well. But mm-hmm. if it's anything like what we expect him to be, my goodness, he's going to be a monster in terms of, of, of causing confusion along that offensive line. Yeah, they were uh, like to me, um, he all he is he's going to benefit from having that first year under his belt. Uh, I think he also probably knows how to go about his business off the field a little bit better in terms of conditioning and, you know, doing the right things to be ready to go. He'll be helped by everything you're talking about here with the rotations that they throw in there. He's going to be fresh. They should both be fresh as rookies. That'll be similar to the way they're used at Georgia. You still have Fletcher Cox there to learn from, um, you know, and to utilize that. And you have Milton Williams there too. So I I think they're going to be fine at that position. I do. I'm not telling you losing Javon Hargrave is you're not going to feel that sometimes you definitely are. But yeah. I, I think they haven't. They've done a nice job, uh, you know, replacing him with some of these younger guys who have a lot of potential. I, uh, but if, in fairness, I feel more confident about Jordan uh, Jalen Carter than I do Jordan Davis. So I, I think jo- I'm very much in a wait and see with Jordan Davis. I don't know yes. exactly what it's going to look like. I want to yeah. also see him, Derek. Obviously, part of the big, one of the big things in that at that position is occupying blockers, stuffing the run. I want to see a more of a push on on passing plays. If Jordan Davis is in there too, where he's making an impact that might allow the pushes coming from, from the front, the ends to come around and get to the quarterback. So he's, he's got to be more dominant in terms of pushing the pocket back into the quarterback and not allowing the quarterback to be able to step up freely and deliver those throws. 
And again, uh, because we haven't seen it consistently, I don't know what to expect out of him. All but, right, here look, I'll go from the kids. Oh, sorry, good. No, but it, there's no question. He's got to play more down, a higher percentage of downs, and he's got to be much more effective consistently across the board. Okay, let, let's go from the kids to the to the vets here. Um, Brandon Graham, 11 sacks last year, amazing season for sure, no doubt. Um, how much, if you look at him, how close will he be to that double-digit sack guy again? Wow, 35 years old. He played 43% of the snaps. He finally got 11. He finally got double digits in sacks. Um, I look at I look at the so-called DNs on this roster, and outside of Josh Sweat and and Derek Barnett coming off the ACL tear, there's not a whole lot of depth there. If you think about it, yep. uh, Teron Jackson, Janarius Robinson, Matt Leo, unless one of these guys step up significantly. Brandon Graham may have to be right around at 43, 45%, which is fine with him. Mm -hmm. But again, he's a year older now. Um, I thought there was a possibility he might have, he might drop down to 38, 40% of the snaps. But just looking at this now, based on on, on the personnel there, he may still be a 43% of snap, which still keeps you a lot fresher in games and playing 65, 70% of snaps. So I think he has a good shot to get back at double digits, even at his age. Um, you know, Brandon Graham is a very youthful 35. Yes. You know, he, he came off that Achilles injury a couple of years ago, came back and had a phenomenal season last year. Surrounded by incredible talent. He's still surrounded by incredible talent. But there's a lot of unproven talent around him as well, from rookies to backup guys who didn't really emerge last year and assert yes. themselves. Now, unless one of these guys can do that, um, I think it's going to be a struggle for Graham to get double-digit sacks. But because Brandon Graham wants to go out in a blaze of glory, you know, not just winning a Super Bowl, but going out and saying, you know what, if this is my last year, I'm going out on top of my game. Those are self-motivating factors for him. So I think it's going to be, it's going to be, he's going to be close. I don't know if he can do it back-to-back seasons though. I, I, yeah, I, I think he's in the nine range. I think he's right there. Um, which is and there's nothing know, wrong with nine, by the way. No, no, it's still good. That, that's why I say like they they're not going to be a seventy sack team, but if they're, I think they're a top two or three sack team in football. I I, I still believe that with the firepower that they have, you know, basically uh, across the board. All right, uh, how much do you worry about Slay being on the downside? What is he? Thirty two now. Three, I think. 32, 33. Yeah. Father time and cornerbacks, you know? Yeah. Not good. Um, I do have concerns about him being there, but obviously the Eagles Eagles don't because they went out, they restructured him. When he put it out there on Twitter that, hey, it was great being in Philadelphia, uh, and he thought he was gone, but the Eagles said, wait a minute, we still want you here for a number of reasons. So if the coaching staff feels – I don't know if he'll play at a Pro Bowl level, but I think he's smart enough and talented enough to play at a consistently good level, which should be good enough to help this defense out tremendously. You know, he went from playing lights out the first half of the season to tapering off in the second half for whatever reason, and it wasn't attributed to to any injury that we know of. Um, I I think Slay has the ability to give this team what what it wants, which is to be a great complement to James Bradbury on the other side. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I am worried about him. Um, 
Mm. The way that he tailed off last year is concerning to me, unless there was an injury that we didn't know of, which is always possible in the NFL. It, it felt like to me, um, you know, Bradbury clearly established himself as the guy in terms of yeah. who was the better uh, corner. And there can't be that big a drop off. Like I, I get it. Like you said, father time, especially at that position is not friendly. But he can't look the way that he looked a lot of last, a lot of the second half of last year. He if he's not quite the sleigh that we saw when he first got here and Detroit can't be that far off either. Um, so I do worry about that with him. I think he's a concern for my me because you know let's face it, what's where's the depth there? What's behind him? I know a lot of look, question marks. Yeah, um, you need him on the field. You got you got to have him on the field. Too much of a drop-off because if he's not on the field, the smart quarterbacks are going to start attacking that side of the field. No question about it. When you start talking about the, the Patrick Mahomes, the Josh Allens, and quarterbacks like that, if there's no Darius Slay on that side of the football field, you're going to attack that side of the field, which could be a glaring weakness. Um, I still think Slay is a good cornerback. I, I, I can't use the word great because of the inconsistency that we saw last year. Yeah. But I, I do believe in terms of technique, anticipation, uh, reading a wide receiver, uh, what they're trying to do, matching up with certain wide receivers, not backing down from being physical. I think the one thing that hurts Slay in some areas is, and this was on the, under Jonathan Gannett, was the fact that their, their cornerbacks played off receivers so many times. Yes. I think Darius Slay is better suited to get up in a, in, in a receiver's face and let them play, you know, bump and run with receivers more so than waiting for a receiver to come to him and find out, finding out what a receiver is going to do because there's a lot of crafty receivers that are playing this year, and we know there's some receivers that are so good at putting their foot in the ground and making the cornerback, I don't care who it is, think he's going one way, all of a sudden he shoots by you the other way, the other way and, and you're on the tail end of a bad play for your defense. This is where I really hope that you know this the, the decide thing is not just a mirror image. That, right. You know – he comes in and he looks at, you know what? This was tough for Slay. I'm going to do some things to, to you know, put you in better positions to succeed. I hope there's that kind of stuff. I think yep. there will be, in fairness. Um, and that's going to be a big thing is what tweaks can you put on this while not totally compromising what your principles are? As yeah, a exactly. Coordinator. exactly. Um, all right. <laughs> Here we go with this one. Will the special teams improve? <laughs> <laughs> We're excluding Jake Elliott here. Okay, we're excluding him. Okay. Um, if Sippos is your punter, that could be a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, your return game was average on both sides of the ball. Your coverage teams were average on both sides of the ball. Will Michael Clay use more veterans more so than younger players on special teams this year to improve the special teams? I don't know. I don't know, Rob. That That's that's a push for me, to be honest. That's a push. I can't sit here and say it's going to be worse because if it's worse, that could cost them some games. I don't know if it's going to be better because of who's orchestrating the special teams play outside of Jay Kelly. I, I, I can't give you a definitive answer one way or the other. That is such a gray area. Um, I'm, I'm going to put that one in the category of I got to wait and see. I mean, to me, wait. I sit here with, with Michael Clay still there. Sippo's still the leader in the clubhouse and, and Britton Covey still returning, you know, punts. 
I can't feel good about this. I'm I'm concerned. Now, suppose if he gets beat out, uh, and Covey was better late in the season. He was, in fairness. They did a better job, I think, giving him some guys who can play special teams. Um, that could change very fast. But if you're asking me right now on July 20th, I don't feel good about this. I don't. I worry about their special teams, and I don't know. Has that, you know, as much as we praise Howie, is that an area he's maybe overlooked too much? You need Ike Reese's. You know, you, you need these kind of guys. Do they have enough of those kind of guys? I don't know because we didn't see it. I don't know. I honestly don't know, Rob. Has he neglected those areas? When you when you consider when you consider what he's done to make the two primary phases of the game, the offense, defense, that much better, and put them in a Super Bowl situation. I, I don't know. Sometimes you have to give up something to get something. We always hear about all three. It takes all three phases of a game to be successful. And some teams abide by that, and it, and it goes well for them. But the Eagles had great offense, great defense, and, and, and suspect special teams and still got within three points of winning a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if – you know, you got to give something. Howie spent a lot of money in strategic areas, wide receiver. Offensive line, D tackles, D ends, you know, cornerbacks. Um, you, you can't have everything, you know. And, and I just just believe that the other phases of their game are good enough to cover up the deficiencies which we are going to be talking about throughout this season when it comes to special teams. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh will the linebackers and the safeties be Ooh. up to snuff? Will they be good enough to start? this season or they're going to have to be changes made as uh, you know, here on the fly. Could this be an area that Howie makes a trade for, you know, one of his famous late, you know, late in camp kind of deals or whatever. I think if there's one area on the linebacker safety question that will be watched more closely than any other is the development of N'Kobe Dean as he yeah. assumes the role of the middle linebacker. Now, how quickly can he adapt? Is he as good as we think he can be to hold down the middle? Can he still be that explosive, disruptive factor that he was at Georgia in an NFL-style defense? Um, I think that's a big one. I think it's going to take him a little while to get up to speed um, and settle in. And, I, and I'm hoping that once he settles in, he becomes steady Eddie in that regard. I think T Terrell Edmonds um, is going to be a nice addition on the back end. Um, I think he'll be a steady uh, uh, center fielder for for this team, uh, does that translate into to being what what CJ GJ was in the back end of the defense? I don't know. Yeah. Reed Blankenship's a huge question mark. I don't know, Rob. That's a tough question. You put me in a bind here, man. I don't I, know. I I, uh, I think that uh, Derek. I think the um, I think both of those. I I think the Kobe Dean is going to be safe, and I think Reed Blankenship is going to be safe. But I think Nicholas Morrow. That could be up for grabs, and I, I think um, Terrell Edmonds could be up for grabs too. Like I, I think these are positions that are open. I, I think that they want the guys. I think they want Edmonds, and they want Blankenship, and they want Morrow, and they want Dean. But I don't think they're going to hesitate if it's looking bad to make changes quickly at either one of those two positions. If, these if, are not guys who have earned it where they're locked in. Well, if Terrell Owens is up for a discussion on a weekly basis, basis yeah. um, that's a problem because then you're going to, to youth 
And what's the two biggest factors when you stick youth back there? Communications and learning to understand what they're saying. Yeah. And that takes time. That just does that just doesn't happen overnight. And if that is the case, um, that could be a glaring weakness for the Eagles for a while until mm-hmm. they get that thing settled. Yeah. And I can't emphasize it enough. You know, Edmonds is what, 26, 27 years old. If Mike Tomlin gives up on you as a defensive player, first thing I want to know is why. Mm-hmm. What deficiency? Because when you play for a Mike Tomlin defense, if he wants you, he finds a way to keep you. Yeah. And he knew he knew their system really well when he was a you know a yes. draft pick of theirs. They cultivated yes. him, and he uh, he was out there last year, and they signed him to a one year deal. Like so, I Absolutely. don't. That's why I, I forget who we had on last week, and they were like, "Oh, it's." Or I had this discussion with Ruben Frank, and he, I think he felt very confident in, in Terrell Edmonds. I I don't share that same kind of confidence in him, and I, I'm not saying this like. I think Reed Blankenship is is a lock either. If he doesn't play well, he very well could go. But I don't know. I Edmonds comes off to me as just kind of eh, you know. And I don't know if eh is good enough, you know, on, on if you're trying to win a Super Bowl. Well, you know, th- then I have then I have to ask you the questions. Um, if, if if Edmonds is not the guy, are, are you comfortable with Kayvon Wallace back there? Mm-hmm. Um. Or are you comfortable with Sidney Brown? Could he play that spot? Okay, but Sidney Brown's a rookie. If he doesn't I, start out, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. What if what if Edmonds starts out and all of a sudden loses the position? You know, okay, Sidney Brown has had great practices. Well, he doesn't have the game reps. Right. He's still got to learn it. And yeah. of course, you know, the, the only knock on him is he's he's an inconsistent tackler. Yeah. You know, so are are you comfortable with the Sidney Brown or or you know, honestly I'm not. Back? This is why I bring up trade. Yeah. Yeah, you know? I don't know. I don't know, Rob. I, that that's a big. I think that's a big drop off. You know. Yeah. Um, I, look, both of those positions are concerning. I don't know how they can't be. Um, and you got, you know, think about what you got last year. You know, nobody's confusing Marcus Epps with Ronnie Lott, but Marcus Epps was a solid player. Yes, he you was. had Marcus Epps, and you had CJ GJ, and you know, at, at the one spot, the, the other spot linebackers you had veteran tj edwards and kaiser white now white did tail off in fairness at the end of the season last year but they're they're gonna miss tj edwards it's that's the thing it's not to say they're not gonna miss certain guys they're gonna miss tj edwards they're gonna miss cj gj they're gonna miss hargrave it's just a matter of you know the the replacements that you have for those guys whether it's kids or not how how much of a close proximity are those guys going to be you know and every team has to go through this. It's the growing pains. Every team has turnovers, some less than others. Every team has to go through this, and the Eagles are now in that situation. You know, how quickly can it all gel? Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, we, we like what we see on paper, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate into a, a, a stellar, consistent unit. We got to see it. We know they have components that are going to play well. We know a Hassan Reddick's is going to play well. A Bradbury is going to play well. We assume Darius Slay is going to play well, but we just don't know about N'Kobe Dean. We don't know why Chicago didn't wasn't, wasn't salivating to get Morrow back there. We don't know if, if Reed Blankenship can step up to the task. Why Pittsburgh let you know Terrell Edmonds go? We don't know. Those are huge. Those are huge factors. You know, in terms of trying to put together a cohesive unit, we don't know if this coaching staff is the right mixture of coaches to bring it all together. You know. 
Desai has one year of experience being a defensive coordinator. Yeah, that's the other hard thing. Like you're you're asking whoever was coordinating that side of the ball with all these new faces, it was going to be hard for anybody. But he's also in his first year there. It's a lot. Yes. yes, no question about it. You know, you as the orchestrator of the band, you have to bring it all together and make one harmonious sound. You know, there think about there are very few defensive coordinators in the National Football League that are considered exceptional D coordinators. There's a multitude of coordinators that bounce around, you know, for whatever reason. What what does John decide? Do you know? Uh, no, I, I don't. don't. Uh, because I here's don't. the thing. Here's what we know about John Desai. Okay, he comes from Vic Fangio, who's had a lot of success as a defensive coordinator in the league. Okay, that, that's great. I mean, they, look, everybody's got to start somewhere, and everybody's got to because some tree that they come from. Okay, that's right. great. But in they his Bears teams didn't do much. Now, if you look at the roster on those Bears teams, they weren't great. So I'm, I'm not. It's not one doesn't necessarily translate to the other. And then he went last year and he worked under Pete Carroll and their defensive coordinator. So he he wasn't even the defensive coordinator last year. Right. He, he was a defensive coach, I think, and then yeah. assistant head coach or yes. whatever. I, I don't know. You know, obviously he very much impressed them in the interview process to the point where Denard Wilson was kind of showing the door. Okay. Uh, yes. He's now in Baltimore. So he must have done something right. He must have been impressive in some way. If you, the people you look, a lot of people around the league, all you hear is how smart this guy is. I don't doubt yeah. how smart he is. He got a doctorate, you know. Uh, uh, but can he coach in, in during the game? Can he make a, the adjustments? Can he see how to get the best out of his players? I don't know. The defensive side of the ball is the thing that leaves me in a in, in, in like Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. Like the offense, I, I feel like, is going to crush. I don't know about yeah. the defense. See, see, to bring up Tone's point in the private chat, Edmonds was not a bad player in Pittsburgh. No, he wasn't. He wasn't spectacular, but has tons of starting experience. You can't undervalue that. No, you cannot. But we see in the National Football League all the time, a player that is considered steady or flourish in one scheme doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to flourish in the next scheme. It, it, go back in the heydays of Andy Reid. You know, you look at some of his prime players that excelled in his system here under Andy Reid and under Jim Johnson. They weren't the same players when they left here. Yeah. Hugh Douglas wasn't the same player. Michael Lewis wasn't the same player. Mm -hmm. You know, Sheldon Brown, Lito Shepard, they weren't the same players when they left here. Right. It goes on and on. And that happens in every football team in the National Football League. Every player does not fit every scheme. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I hope Edmonds is a stabilizing force in that back end, but you got to see it. I agree. You got to see him in this scheme because I don't know what this scheme is going to look like. Me either. And, and that's the the million, very several million dollars question. All right. Uh, we'll come back. We'll do this with the NFL, Derek, storylines, including can the Chiefs repeat? Uh, if Tua stays healthy, how good are the Dolphins? Can Dak clean up his act? Can Deshaun Watson get back to his old form? They're among the questions that we will uh, we will bounce off of each other. When we return, remember two o'clock, Pat Leonard from the New York Daily News will get the latest on what's going on with Saquon Barkley. All right. Hey, you, you're, not, you're not watching the Phillies game, right? No, sir. Okay. Go to break. Paying That's attention to you. Say. All right. Just go to break. He's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. All right. Let's uh, talk about proaction restoration. Because if you have a home, you have a business, and you go through the pain, or your property owner, you, you go through the pain of water, fire, smoke damage, you, you need mold remediation, whatever. You go through all those kind of things and you look, you're not prepared for that. 
you, you got the, you're trying to deal with the doing things the wet back and it's just not cutting it. Okay. All right. So pro action restoration is the place that you reach out to. They're on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist. I know because I went through it. I, I'm there. I'm trying to, I got a bucket and I'm throwing it out and plushing it in the toilet. It was a nightmare. Okay. So I contacted pro action restoration on a Saturday. They got out to my parents' house and they cleaned it up, thankfully. And it was a relief for them. It was a relief for me. The price was right. The, the, the crew was professional. Could have been a better experience. Pro Action Restoration is licensed, bonded, fully insured. They've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. They will work in conjunction with your insurance company. All right. So again, water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, you name it, they can handle it. Give them a call. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 610-623-3760. 610-623-3760. Or online at ProActionRestoration.com. That's ProActionRestoration.com. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go Birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go Birds! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go Birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? 
Yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left. Fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Eric, I'm Rob. We're Sports Take. What do you got for the shirt? Summer, summer, summertime? You know it. You summer, know it, summer, summertime. You yes. Know, you know. Oh, sit back and rewind. All right. So. Uh, I got this from my boy, Jazzy Jeff. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I got this like four or five years ago from him. He gave me. He, he has a dude. This dude got a closet full of stuff. He's got a closet just for his, his shoes. His sneakers. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Is yeah. that right? He, he's a Delaware guy, isn't he? He lives in Delaware, I think. Uh, lives in Delaware. Lives about not even a half mile down the road from me now. He used to live on the same street as me. Now he lives about a half mile. Bought a bigger property. Beautiful property. Got a dirt cheap. It was in foreclosure. Oh, my goodness. Circular driveway, whole nine yards. Yeah. Good for him, man. Good for him. Yeah. Those royalties are nice, baby. They are nice. Um, all right. Uh, so a couple, couple things here. Let's go NFL now. And hit a couple storylines. All right. So here's the question I have, Derek. It, it has been uh, a long, long time. In fact, it's been two since the 03 04 season, seasons, since somebody repeated. It was the Patriots. Okay. Chiefs. Chiefs appear about as poised as any team as I can remember. Uh, they th- What they lost, I didn't think at least was anything really major. They, you know, Juju Smith Schuster and some of those guys, but nope. not a ton. Um, how realistic is is their you know ability to repeat this thing and run it back? Uh, very. Um, I think Kansas City has followed suit of what New England did consistently for 15 years. It's not about outside of the quarterback. If you have the quarterback, outside of the quarterback, you can plug and play in their system just about anybody. You look at how many players came and went in that system. They never had the dominant running back. It was a lot of running backs by committee. Right. Uh, briefly had Randy Moss, the premier receiver. Outside of that, the receivers were not big-name receivers. Um, you look at the – they spent more money on defensive personnel usually than offensive personnel. Yeah. Um, and they had the tight end, right? And they, they had a great tight, tight end. end. Yep. Oh, my goodness. At one point, they had two of the premier yep. tight ends in the game. Right. You know, together. Yep. Um, Kansas City is that same team. I can't get over the fact, and we talk about this time to time again. I hate repeating it over and over. I cannot get over the fact that this team won 17 out of 20 games with a bunch of kids playing in the back end of the defense. But they were solid everywhere else on the field. You have the premier quarterback in the game. You have a great running back by committee situation. They show that you don't have to have an elite receiver. They got rid of Tyreek Hill, the best pass catcher in the game. They won the Super Bowl. They went out and got three receivers that were marginal receivers in other teams 
implemented them in that offense and were successful, was still the number one offense in the league and ended up winning the Super Bowl. Mm. They're going to do the same thing. I'm not saying they're winning the Super Bowl this year, but they're going to be right there at the end. Yeah, I think it's going to come down to them and Cincinnati again, once again. And depending on where that game is played will determine who gets to the Super Bowl. But Kansas City is right now in a position to have a long, long tenure of being in AFC Championship games and Super Bowl uh, participants. Yeah, I mean, simply put, if you have the quarterback and the coach, you're way ahead of the game. And Belichick and Brady, uh, look at the success the Eagles had in the NFC with Donovan and Andy. You you could, this is a, go back and forth, you know, to the success the Saints had. I know they only won one, but you know, whatever with, with Breeze and uh, Sean Payton. If you have that and you have some of the other pieces that you have to have, you have, you know, a stud on defense like Chris Jones, you have an an offensive line that's, that's good. Like uh, Casey has. Yeah, everything else kind of plays off of that. If you avoid injuries, I mean, look, there's no reason, at least in my estimation, to think this team can't repeat. I agree with you. The, the problem Kansas City's going to have, and this is where the Eagles have a nice advantage, they're in a brutal conference. I mean, you brought up Cincinnati, and you're right, but, you know, it's Cincinnati. It is, you know, if you, if you just go beyond that, it's Buffalo. It's Miami if two is healthy. Yep. It's an improved Jets. Right. It's a Patriots who are going to be a pain in the rear end. It's yep. it's the Ravens. It's the Browns who are going to be improved. It's Pittsburgh who's always a pain in the butt. Jacksonville. Baltimore. Yeah, right. The Jacksonville that's not bad. Uh, you know, Tennessee got a little more interesting now with some of the things that they did. Uh, you know, in their division. Denver and 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 the Raiders and the Chargers are no pushover. So, you know, this is no cakewalk. Like you're you're in for it in in that conference. See, I think the biggest question mark with Kansas City, especially when you talk about the offense, is how solid will the left tackle spot be? Orlando Brown left, and that's a huge loss. Guess where he goes? To Cincinnati. And that's what they did to try to rebuild that offensive line because Burrow took a beating early. Yeah, but not only that, they go to the team that they're always fighting and chasing to get a guy who knows that Kansas City offense inside and out in Orlando Brown. They put him at the left the tackle spot there to solidify the offense. But what can you tell us about Kansas City offense that we need to know? Yeah. What do we know in terms of audibles, in terms of when, when Patrick Holmes does a certain hand signal? What can you tell us about what mm-hmm. they're trying to do? It's, every team does it. You know, yeah. Eagles do it. They grab players from division, see what they can get out of them. Um, yeah. but, but Kansas City, so they let Orlando Brown go. They go out and get Jawan Taylor. Uh, Taylor. From Jacksonville, who's a solid offensive lineman, they put him at the right side, and they've had Donovan Smith now on the, as their left tackle. How? Let's face it, left tackle is the key for your franchise quarterback. Very true. Can Donovan Smith hold that down? Remains to be seen. But yeah. outside of that, I expect if the, if the AFC playoffs run through Kansas City again, are you betting against the Chiefs on their home turf? No, mm-hmm. I don't care who they're playing, and that includes Cincinnati. Granted. They got a big, big, big uh, plus when that uh, young defensive lineman pushed Mahomes out of bounds on that last drive. That was a huge break. It was a huge break. huge. But I am not betting against Kansas City. If Kansas City's healthy, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was the first-round draft pick. He was the number one running back a couple of years ago. He's number three on the depth chart now. Yeah, he's a forgotten man. You got Pacheco and McKinnon as your number one and two now. Yep, yep. You know. In in Kansas City, they let Juju Smith-Schuster go. What's the first thing they say? We expect Sky Moore to step up now. Mm -hmm. 
Kadarius Tony to step up, yo, etc. Marcus Elder Scanlon, Kadarius Tony, Rasheed Rice, Richie J. Now Richie James wasn't a bad receiver. I forgot he was on their roster. Oh geez, I forgot. I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I did too. They I, have no, yeah, so I it's not too. like it's not like they they're, they're really hurting for what they want to do. It's not like they're really hurting. You know, when you have Mahomes, obviously Kelsey's his number one guy. But when you have Mahomes, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be. Look, you're open; he'll find you. Period. I mean, you you don't need to be great because he is great. He they have. I, I'm telling you, they have a guy who's gonna go down in the top three if he stays healthy. He's that he's that kind of great. So yeah, I agree. With you. All right, um, let's move on. Tua. If Tua stays healthy, Derek, how dangerous is this Dolphins team? Extremely. Extremely. If two is healthy, the Dolphins aren't afraid of anybody in the AFC. And that includes, that will include Kansas City. Now they have to prove they can beat Kansas City, right? Whether it's in Miami or whether it's in Kansas City. But if two is under center, the way he was playing, he was in a zone when he was healthy. Before he started having a concussion issues, he was in a zone and he was lightning up. I mean, he had 2,000 yard receivers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a great – I mean, if you look at it – think about this. In 13 games, in one, he was really compromised. 3,500 passing yards. You know, he, he was yes. averaging uh, 273 yes. yards per game, uh, 25 touchdowns to eight interceptions, you know, at 105 passer rating. Think about what yeah. that is if, if it's if it's a full, you know, 17 games. That's with four games being missed. If, I, if, I, if I'm to it and I'm stepping under center – I look to one side, I see Jalen Waddle. I took look to the other side, I see Tyreek Hill. I'm handing the ball off to Raheem Mostert, who's a really good running back. You know, and the understudy's a wide receiver. Cedric Wilson, not bad. Yeah. Robbie Chosen, say what you want to say about him being a mental midget sometimes. <laughs> um, he can play, he can play when he has his head on straight. Speed. He can he's play. got that, he's got that blazing speed still. Yeah. Braxton Barrios is not a bad receiver. And he's a good return. They yes. got a good return. Yep. So they've they've got they've got weapons down there. They've got good defensive personnel down there mm-hmm. as well. I mean, you got Christian Wilkins, you got Ogba down there, um, you got Jerome Baker, Bradley Chubb, mm-hmm. you know, Jalen Ramsey's now down there. They've got a good nucleus, dude. Yeah. They, they've got some dudes that, that can talk, you know, between Jalen Ramsey and Tyreek Hill, you're talking about two guys with master degrees that can talk trash with the best of them. <laughs> you know, dude, you gotta have to, to be good. You gotta have a certain swag to you sometimes. Yeah, and yeah. If two I, is healthy, my goodness. I, I. That's why, like, I look at if two is healthy, and Aaron Rodgers does what we think he's gonna do. Man, how how nasty is that division? Woo! Oh my goodness. I mean, you know, with that oh Bills team that that really has to do it this year, that has to kind of make a move here because they've been close a bunch of times. Yeah. Like, I'm telling you, th- this is gonna be. That they are going to just beat each other up, and the Patriots are not bad. They're not bad. Yeah. Oh heck no! I think that AFC East and AFC West are going to be fun divisions to watch. No question about it. From start to finish, so much anticipation about now the Jets having a future Hall of Fame quarterback, um, Miami Buffalo being what they are. Uh, the AFC West speaks for itself, and I tell you what. The AFC North is going to be interesting to watch between Cincinnati, I, Baltimore. Sneaky good. Yep. What? Mm-hmm. Kenny Pickett coming into his own has a couple of good receivers. One of the best running backs in the game. Yep. Dude, except well, you know what? I will say this now. I think the AFC South is going to be interesting, and here's why: 
Houston is going to go through some growing pains. But you have one of the best defensive minds in the game in D'Amico Ryan's running that defense down there. Yep. Look at what Houston has done in the offseason. You draft your quarterback in the future who's going to go through, go through some pain. Um, you have one of the best young running backs in the game in Damian Pierce. He's a stud. Now, Robert Woods may be on a decline, but he have, you know you have Robert Woods down there. To He's go a good with- pro. He's a yeah. good pro to have there. Yeah. You've got a good quality tight end now in Dalton Schultz. Yep. I like your offensive line. You have Laramie Tunsil, Laramie Tunsil Shaq Mason, Titus Howard. Then on, uh, in, in the offseason, they went out and got some money to show up the defense they drafted. Well, you got Will Anderson coming off the left side. You got Malik Collins down there, Sheldon Rankins, mm-hmm. Christian Harris, and, and Christian Kersey as your linebackers. Denzel Perryman is one of your linebackers. And then on the back end, you bring in your boy Jimmy Ward from, from San Francisco to go along with the number one draft pick, Derek Stingley, and 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 um, Shaquille Griffin. Mm-hmm. Houston's not a bad looking team on paper, man. Yeah, I yeah, they're that's they're my candidates for. I don't know. I'm not saying this year necessarily, but a, a pretty quick turnaround down there. You know, I mean, I think they're gonna they're gonna fix it quick. I'm, I'm you know, you. everything comes down to can C.J. Stroud play. Right. And same thing exactly. with, with Carolina exactly. and same thing with yep. uh, Indy. If, the, if those kids can play, it's going to be fast. I think it's going to be really, really fast. I think I think Indianapolis in that division is going to be the only team that's just going to be an afterthought for the most part. But I think now that you have DeAndre Hopkins, Hopkins going to Tennessee with Traylon Edwards, I mean, Tra- Traylon Burks and Derrick Henry. For as, as much as he's abused, he do still have 1,500 yards. He's still a battering ram. Yeah. Tennessee's going to be an interesting team to watch. We know what Jacksonville is in his first year under Doug Peterson. Yep. And now Houston has what they feel is the right head coach. They've spent money this offseason. They drafted well on paper, extremely well on paper. Houston's going to be an interesting team to watch. They really yeah, are. It's just the, the AFC, man. It's just – in comparison, you think about it, like – I don't know. Washington, I think, is going to be okay. It's, it's all comes down to how. But Bears are not there yet. I think the Packers are taking a step back. Vikings are okay. Yep. You know, pretty yep. solid. Uh, there's a lot of teams in the South that we just don't know about, Tampa, et cetera. And then there's there's the Cardinals. Like, there's just way more, it feels like, automatics in the NFC than there aren't a lot in the AFC. I would say your automatic easy, easy at least right now, is the Colts. Uh, even with everything you just said, I don't know that the Texans are easy, but maybe you could throw them in that category. That's really it. It's really it. There's nobody in the North. There's nobody in the East and there's nobody yeah. in the West that you would say is easy. No, no, but, you know, no. it's an automatic win. You know, you look at, you look at the storylines, Kansas city, the defending champion. Yeah. Can, can the chargers finally get out of their own way? They have all the pieces. Derwin James to me is one of the best safeties in the game today. He's definitely one of the most intimidating yeah. Safety's in the game today. They got Bosa coming off the edge. Uh, the Raiders have Garoppolo if he's healthy to go along with Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs if he decides to play. They, they spent money on defense. Sean Payton is a big storyline with Denver. That team's ready to win now. Mm-hmm. Can Sean Payton get to, that team to win now the way Doug Peterson did with Jacksonville in this first year? You got a whole lot of landmines when you're Sean Payton to go through to get to where you want to go in the AFC. But you got Sean Payton there. And that right. says enough in itself about his coaching pedigree. The storylines in the AFC are incredible across the board. Yeah, yeah, they are. All right, let me hit you with this. Speaking of that, will Deshaun Watson 
get back to form. Get back to the guy we saw in his Texas days, or Houston days, before everything really, you know, we all know what happened. W- will he get back to that form? Well, he's with the right coach. You know, very creative coach. Kevin Stefanski, um, yep. I-, I think, you know, he played six games last year. Uh, he only completed 58% of his passes, seven touchdowns, five picks. I think he went through the growing pains. I think now that he's had a full offseason to study the playbook, to look at film, to look at what the coach is asking of him in his offense, I do think we'll see a uh, Deshaun Watson who looks more fluid. I don't know if he'll be that Deshaun Watson down in Houston because, let's face it, down in Houston, he had to improvise a lot. Yeah. You know? In this offense, I mean, you got Amari Cooper, Nick Chubb. You've got proven pieces. You got one of the top two or three offensive lines in the game. You got a tough defense. You have all the pieces around you to make you better. I think he's a much better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Can he parlay that into success with this Cleveland team? Oh, I, I, I don't know, but I do. I do think he'll play better. I don't know if we'll see Houston Deshaun Watson though. That's the thing. Yeah, I, I. I... <sighs> If he can be a semblance of that guy, there's enough pieces there with that team that they're going to be good. Like, they're good on the defensive side. They have arguably the best running back in football or a top five running back in football. Yep. They have Amari Cooper. They have Njoku as a tight end. It's not yep. like this guy doesn't have weapons there. He's got way better weapons than he had in Houston altogether. They brought like in Elijah Moore. Moore. Yep. Yeah. They brought in Elijah Moore. Donovan Peoples-Jones is a good receiver. Yep. They have a really good offensive line. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at the defense, Miles Garrett, Zadarius Smith, they got from Minnesota. Yeah. Um, the back end of the defense, my goodness, Denzel Ward, Grant Delpit, Greg Newsom. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, it's right there for the taking. They, they might be the most sleeped on team. And I think, you know, I mean, a lot, look, Watson has had, he hasn't been good in a while because he just doesn't play football in a while. Right. But right. he plays well. You know, I'm telling you, look at that North. Who comes out of the North if he's if he's real? Is it Baltimore again? Is it Cincy? It's probably Cincy, but you know Pittsburgh's good too. I don't know, man. Lamar Jackson is raving about the fact that they're going downfield more with the ball. Yeah, they know? have. That's fair to point out, Derek. It's 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 the, it's the it, a new uh, you know it's a new coordinator. coordinator. Yeah, they got yep. rid of Greg Roman, so it's it's Monken who who was the uh, at Georgia. So the, the guys coming off a lot of success. And we know what that Georgia offense looked like in terms of them going down the field. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I think you, 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 I, the first thing out of your mouth is Cincinnati is that team to beat for, for obvious reasons, what they've done over the last couple of years. Um, but man, Lamar Jackson has Mark Andrews as at his disposal. Yeah. Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham Jr. is there. I keep forgetting Odell is there now. Same. Rashad Bateman is a good wide receiver. Yep. You know, um, dude, they, they've got a good offensive line. This they've is why I'm so excited about the NFL. This is why, when you ask me, I love this but stuff. See, I tell you, I get excited the week of the first game. I know. I can't go through training camps. I can't. Oh, I just man. can't do it. I can't wait. I need this stuff to start, man. Like, I need it. I need it. Right. You want to you wanna bypass August altogether and get right to September. I can't. Now, so you're messing up my summer. I'm clinging to the fact that August is almost here and it's going to blaze by and I'm going to be depressed because that nice warm 90 to 95 to 100 degree weather is going to be behind me. I'm going to have to break out the sweatpants and the hoodies all over again. I know. We're getting there. We're getting there. All right. uh, Dak Prescott question. Um, 
you know, if you, his numbers are altogether pretty solid, right? If you, I'm going to exclude something for purposes here. But if you look at his stats, okay, uh, 2,800 yards in 12 games, really good, 2,860. Uh, 23 touchdowns in 12 games, pretty good. 66 completion percentage, pretty good, right? Here's the problem. 15 interceptions, Derek, 15 yep. interceptions, and he had a knack for pick sixes. Yep. And the Eagles had one, in fact, in the game in Dallas. Josh Sweat, who would have thought, right? But here's the question. Can Dak Prescott get his act together, clean that up, because that team is crazy talented also? I think the fact that Dak, what Dak went through last year is big motivation for him. Um, you know, everybody's counting him out. Big money quarterback. Um, he didn't live up to expectations. 15 picks. And I know there were at least three or four picks that I saw that ricocheted off receivers' hands into the hands of uh, uh, the opposition. Um, but he's got to clean it up. You know, in two, 2021, he had 37 touchdown passes. You know, he dropped down to 23 last year for whatever i mean 12 obviously 12 games a lot less games um he might have exceeded 20 interceptions had he played those other five games who knows Mm -hmm. the way his season was going but i do believe i do believe that because we looked at Dak prior to last season we looked at Dak as a quarterback that took care of the football that didn't turn the ball over a lot and last year it was on Dak light I don't think Dak is a Pro Bowl quarterback, but I do think he's better than what he played last year, which means Dallas will be better because he'll play better this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think, too, they've changed some things up. And, I, and it, it's not saying this was all Kellen Moore's fault, but they right. changed some things up. Yep. And McCarthy takes over. McCarthy is a good quarterbacks coach for whatever it's worth. Like I'll give you an example, uh, Derek. I was talking to Rich Gannon earlier this week. Okay. And, and Rich Gannon uh, has stopped before he went to Oakland and became an MVP was Kansas right. City. He was in KC with Marty Schottenheimer. But his quarterbacks coach was Mike McCarthy. Yep. He said McCarthy was the best, best quarterbacks coach that he ever had in, in all of his stops in the NFL. He said his attention to detail and the little things that he does for a quarterback w- w- are really a game changer. And he said, in that sense, he thinks it's really going to ha- help Dak Prescott. Mm. You know, we'll see. I mean, the problem is McCarthy's not out there making the plays for Dak. You know, right. So, uh, but I think it's just, it's something to note. The problem is I don't like McCarthy as a head coach. I don't like him in big decision time clock running down what are we doing here what play are we running do we need a timeout can we just get right. it out of bounds do you spike the ball i don't think he's good in those settings and i think that's the problem yeah that was one of the big reasons why green bay let him go um poor clock management in, um, inconsistent decisions um i think mccarthy is mccarthy did wonders with aaron Rodgers in his early development um and he parlayed that into a super bowl championship um, but when you put it's, it's the same with Andy Reid, when you put too much on his plate, if you just let them focus on one thing, they they can be great. When you start adding uh, little things to the table, all of a sudden it weakens what their strengths are. Right. And I think Mike McCarthy is going to be interesting to see adding adding the play calling back to his repertoire. You know, um, you know, a lot of people already saying, you know, hey, great. McCarthy's calling the Cowboys plays. That's a win for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, OK, we're going to see. Yeah. Has he learned from his past transgressions? Mm-hmm. Is it helping make him a better decision maker? Yeah. 
every season is his own storyline. You know, I'm not, you know me, I'm not a big fan of Mike McCarthy in terms of play calling, but this is 2023 new season. Mm-hmm. He has Brandon Cooks as well at his disposal. Um, it's it's a big year for both him and Dak in terms of their status with the Dallas organization. Right. Absolutely. Um, all right. So the good good stuff there. Let's get a timeout and we're going to come back and we're going to talk to Pat Leonard. We'll get the latest on what's happening with Saquon Barkley. Um, he he had the story that Saquon sat down with with Wellington Mara and thought thought there was a done deal and nope there wasn't a done deal so we'll see what ends up happening there we'll talk to pat not only about the giants but the nfc east as well don't go anywhere that's Derek gunn i'm rob ellis we are sports take jacob sports youtube network all right let's talk about fling tree services fling tree services is a licensed uh and experienced and insured pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property they're experts at trimming all types of trees and they serve southeastern pennsylvania south jersey and northern delaware uh, they are, they specialize in tree removal, stump grinding, as well as tree pruning. You can go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn tree services a call at 610-850-2848, 610-850-2848 or online at flynntreeservices.com. That's flynntreeservices.com. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go birds! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left. Fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh.
GLES Eagles. We're back. We're Sports Take. Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Appreciate you hanging with us on this Thursday. Pat Leonard will be joining us shortly from the New York Daily News. All right, Gunnar, let me hit you with a couple NFL things until we have Pat up and ready to go here. Right. Uh, the Washington Commander's sale uh, is supposed to be approved. The The owners are in Minneapolis <clears throat> ready to, uh, to stamp that bad boy. Jerry Jones said it's going to be a great day for the NFL as he, as he got into the uh, hotel. Um, so, but here's the problem. Like it's going to be Josh Harris's group. Uh, we know that. I just hate that Daniel Snyder is going to be rewarded with a $6.05 billion paycheck Jeez. for his organization. Like all the damage that creeped in. And believe me, as an Eagles fan, I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad that the guy, you know, was there that long because it meant they were just going to be chaos and dysfunction. But now the guy just gets a giant check to go, you know, chill on an island somewhere. <laughs> hey, the rich get richer, right? Yeah, it's true. It's what that, that's uh, that's what happens. Um, you're right. For all the, the bad he's done and all the stuff that's been hidden for years, it's a shame he's getting rewarded to walk off it. Um, into the sunset as an even more of a billionaire. Um, but like Jerry Jones said, I, I read the quote, Jerry Jones said, you know, it's a great day for the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, basically, yeah. I think he said he's, I think ding, he expressed dong, the witch is dead. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think he expressed the sentiment of a lot of owners in the league in terms of no longer having to deal with Daniel Snyder. You are correct, sir. All right. Joining us right now does an awesome job. NFL columnist, Giants beat writer, for the New York Daily News. Also catch him on his phenomenal podcast, Talking Ball Absolutely. with Pat Leonard. And he's done an awesome job really being all over the Saquon Barkley stuff. Pat, how are you, my friend? Appreciate you taking a couple of minutes, man. Rob, Derek, I'm doing well, man. Yeah, things have ratcheted up here um, in the New York area. You know, we're not even in the building yet. But thanks to Saquon Barkley, the giant conversation is now a, it's not even a daily one. It's an hourly one. Jeez, Pat. So the latest that I read from from you today was the sit down that he has with Mara, right? And and it looked like this was a done deal. I mean, he came out of it feeling really good and positive. And I guess my question is, if it looked that close then, and the owner was on board, and he was on board, what the heck happened? Screw ups on both sides, no doubt about it. I mean. Like one person said to me, like, this is a lose-lose in negotiations. You try to get to a point where it's a win-win and both sides give, but both sides win. And this is a lose-lose. And Saquon showing us why here, which is he comes out of this spring meeting with co-owner John Mara. And after exchanging essentially pleasantries about how much they value him, how much he values the Giants and being there, he says directly that he walks out of there, calls his agent and says, let's get it done. Let's get it done at this number. The implication, Rob, I'm sure you could see and hear is that he's at least saying some sort of number that based on his talk with Mara about the numbers and about where they stood, that he figured would work. I think what happened was because Daniel Jones didn't get done until the last minute, there was a chance that the team was going to have to use the franchise tag on Daniel. And if they did that, then Saquon Barkley could get to free agency and create a market that in his mind, hopefully in his agent's mind would be able to gain an even more lucrative deal and a deal that he felt like he was worth. But that was a severe miscalculation because wow. I mean, I, I was not the only one, but I was in 
Indianapolis at the NFL combine. Yes. It went up to the 11th hour with Daniel Jones, but I was there at the JW Marriott with Daniel's athletes, first agents and the giants financial team. They were sitting there for the world to see grinding it out in front of everybody. And so for Barkley's camp, maybe to think that that wasn't going to get done and the giants were going to essentially lose a player for nothing and tag Daniel like that, I think is super naive on the uh, agent's part. Wow. So, so, so Pat, do you think, you know, players do this all the time, especially franchise players when they, they beat their chest and say, I'm not showing up. I'm not going to do this. Do you think from what you know of Saquon, do you think there's any way, shape or form that he misses a game check? You know, D, if you'd asked me that two days ago, I would have said, I think he's going to hold out. After I listened to that interview from a week ago that he just published, he doesn't sound, he sounds like he knows he has to consider it, but that he really doesn't want to. Right. And so I'm doubting right now that he'll actually skip a game. Cause if you think about it, if he, let's say he only just sits out week one against the Dallas Cowboys in Sunday night football, just to send a message, he is still putting his teammates and the team in a bad position. What's he going to do? Sit there, watch them get crushed and then come back into the building. And then, you know, what does that do for him? Right. Because at this point he can't get a deal. Um, I thought maybe, you know, this could lead to a trade request, but because it's so late, if he requested a trade, he couldn't sign a new multi-year deal with his next team until after this season as well. Mm. And also his sentiment in that interview. Now he said this to me and others before, but he really does not sound like a guy who wants to leave New York. I mean, he's talking all about the opportunities after football. If he lives here, how much he considers himself more than an athlete and a football player. And he knows that living across the river from New York city is a huge part of developing that. I do think the long-term relationship of the Giants and Saquon Barkley has been severed here. Like, I think this is the beginning of the end. But as far as whether he's actually going to hold out, he's clearly talking about it. They're clearly considering it. But it's just hard to envision him gaining much from that. Other than, I guess, you know, he could do like the Jadavion Clowney thing when he ended up getting tagged and traded to Seattle a few years ago. He made and his agent made Seattle promise not to tag him after that season. Mm. So does Barkley get in a position where he does reluctantly report and plays games, but also is able to get the giants to agree. They're not going to tag him after the season. And frankly, he might be able to gain that because I think Joe Shane and the giants, even though they made offers have shown that they would rather not pay this position. Has this been bungled more Pat on, uh, in your estimation on the giants end or, or Barkley, or is it equal you know, finger pointing to go around here. I think it's equal. I think it would be uh, disingenuous to make it look like it's all on the giants because of like that story Barkley told. Um, I do think also that I look at this as this at the end on that final day, to my understanding, the giants, you know, best offer was in the neighborhood of, I mean, no one's talking specific numbers right now because everybody's sensitive about Barkley getting angry about the leaks and how it makes him look and all of that. But they were in the neighborhood. My understanding is of the kind of $12 million range a year, 22 million guaranteed over the course of the three-year contract. So basically in the first two, now that's not what Barkley turned down in the spring and certainly far from what he wants. But to me, that shows me this. The Giants meaningfully did want him on their team. It's not like they said, screw it, we don't care. And it also shows me that they were close enough 
having come down from their two offers initially, that whether it was a million here or a million there, the blame belongs on both of them to not understand how much they would be avoiding and how much they would be gaining just by moving that little bit more. And I know a million dollars, a million dollars is not a little, but in the context of the kind of contracts the Giants have been doling out the last few years, guys like Kenny Galladay surprises me that they didn't look at this and say, man, it might be worth not having Brian Dable being asked every single day at training camp where one of his best two or three players is and having all the, his teammates have to answer for this and have our team and season possibly jeopardized because we're missing our best offensive player. I just can't believe they didn't understand the opportunity cost there. And frankly, that Barkley um, essentially said, even with real money on the table, not what he wanted, but real money on the table that he was reluctant to sign that too. So I put, honestly, I put it on both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that this is, um, you know, penny wise and a dollar foolish by the organization though, to not get it done. Right. Based on, based on what you're saying, Pat, you know, um, the numbers that you just threw out would put Barkley right there at the top of the running back pay list for 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, is there some way, from what you know about this Giants organization, is there some way, shape, or form that somewhere down the road during the course of the season they will revisit this? Or are, are relationships fractured too much to where it can't be repaired at this point? Well, they've they've put themselves and Barkley in a position where, other than talking about it, there's nothing they can do about the value of him now until after the season because of the tag. Mm -hmm. And if they rescind the tag, then he would have to sign something less to get traded. Or Mm -hmm. if they rescind the tag and try to send them into free agency, we all know what the free agent market is on, on running backs. Um, No, I think, I think that the relationship has been uh, altered permanently. Wow. And I do think that I do, I don't expect after this, uh, you know, if they have the ability to franchise tag him again after this coming season, then obviously they would have that ability and that control of him. And so he could play on, be on the team technically in 2024, but based on how this went, I would be pretty confident in saying it's more likely he's not on the giants in 2024 than that he is. Pat, have any, have any of his teammates, whether it's Daniel Jones, who, who got his obviously, and some of the other guys you referenced, ha- have any of them been outspoken regarding Saquon's situation? Because I, if, if, if so, I haven't seen it, but I'm just curious because we do see that sometimes. Yeah, no. Um, no, they have not. They have kept quiet. I do. I can tell you, though, I mean, it's a very interesting thing that will be talked about, and I can promise you is being talked about behind the scenes and in the locker room. Um, you know, one thing that I know of several players or former players I've talked to is they've told me it's extremely rare from their experience that a front office and an organization would risk not taking care of one of its obvious best players financially like this. Mm-hmm. And now, as we've outlined already, they did make a meaningful offer to him. So it's not like they didn't offer him money, but it just doesn't often happen where you're putting the locker room in the position of scratching their heads saying, well, wait, that guy got paid and that guy got paid, but he didn't. So what does that mean for me? And now our best player is either not here or he's here and he's, uh, his mood is down. It's, it's, a, off, it's impacting yeah. the team. It's impacting practices. Maybe mm-hmm. he's barking back at a coach. Maybe uh, he hurts his ankle and instead of playing through it says, uh, you know, Al my knee. And now he's out three weeks. Like you're just opening this Pandora's box that, Uh, nobody knows what direction it's going to go. 
No one's spoken out publicly about it yet, but I mean, I listen, this is not a player that guys don't care about here. You know, this is a guy that people are well aware as the composition of this roster and team, what he means and what it could mean if this stays, you know, ugly. That's the thing. If you, if you do the comps with what other guys are making, like far less meaningful than, than Saquon is, it's crazy that, that yeah. we're sitting here at, at this point. Right. What do you what do you think about how the running back has been devalued across the board in the National Football League? Yeah, I think um, listen, it's the franchise tag obviously is a mechanism that is team friendly, organization friendly, and it's not uh, something that any players want. But with the running back position in particular, it's been a combination of um, you know the the league going pass heavy, money now being invested in quarterback, pass rusher and corner. Right. And then even wide receivers now have exploded as well. And so it's really been a reallocation of those resources. And the franchise tag has allowed teams. The funny thing about the devaluation guys is that actually a lot of the times, yes, there are the examples of Alvin Kamara in the third round, Isaiah Pacheco with the Kansas city chiefs undrafted, et cetera, seventh round and uh, players like that. But a lot of teams end up drafting running backs fairly high and just running their rookie uh, contract through and maybe tagging them, maybe not, and then replenishing. So they are spending an asset on the position. They're just doing it in a way where they don't have to pay it. And so what has happened too is it's all converged at once here. You guys know, like there's some years where a certain position's free agent class contracts are coming up. It's kind of all big names at once. There's other times where, uh, like this year's wide receiver position where you're looking at it and you're saying, wait, did I, ref- I do I need to refresh this page? Like, or, you know, what's going on here? And with the running backs, you've had Austin Eckler come up against it with the Chargers. You've had Dalvin Cook get cut by the Vikings. You have Ezekiel Elliott get cut by the Cowboys. And it's kind of all converging where Miles Sanders gets the big deal and it's only in the $6 million a year range. Right. I think it's also just been that convergence of all these things happening at once that has helped balloon the entire situation and the problem, not to mention that I shouldn't leave out Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard and Saquon all got tagged at the same time. And Mm -hmm. Saquon said it best himself back in June. He goes, of course, if the three best guys who are about to hit the market get tagged, the market's not going to go up. Right. Right. And you know, it sounds obvious, but that's where we find ourselves. No Mm -hmm. question. Pat, listen, we know you got to run, but we appreciate you hopping on. I know, um, yeah, you could check out. You get into this in full detail on the latest uh, talking ball with Pat Leonard, uh, Believe Sports, uh, Bet Online. <clears throat> you could grab it either of those places. There's a link there on your uh, on your Twitter feed as well. And I tell everybody, you just jump on Pat's Twitter feed. It's well worth it. At P Leonard, NYDN, NFL columnist and Giants beat writer. Pat, thanks, man. Appreciate you squeezing us in, bud. Thanks so much for plugging the pod, and thanks for having yeah. me on. Love. All right, on. Pat. Take yeah, care, man. Talk to you soon. All right, yeah. that is Pat Leonard of the New York Daily News. Good information there always, man. Pat is, Pat's got the pulse of this thing, especially Absolutely. Giants, Saquon, East, you name it. The NFL, he is on it. So uh, good information. Uh, always good talking to him, that's for sure. Um, all right, so let, let's hit a couple other things, Derek. Uh, we, we discussed this yesterday. Denzel Mims, it, it was looking more and more like he was just going to get waived uh, you know, by the Jets. But So they end up making a deal, and they get something out of it. So he goes to the Lions, which – Tell you why that makes sense in a second, but they get a conditional pick back uh, to the Jets. Smart for the Lions because they're going to be without Jamison Williams with the gambling suspension. So if, if Mims can give you even a little bit, 
you know, you're helping your receivers out. You're helping Amon Ross St. Brown and some of your other guys with somebody else. And, and Mims has a lot to prove. Let's face it. It was a highly disappointing time for him and with the jets. He lands in a great landing spot to kind of re restart his career. Yep. You're right. Jameis Williams being out is huge. That's a gaping hole, but this is a team that already has Marvin Jones jr. And I'm Ron St. Brown, you know, um, he could step in and be a good third receiver for this team right out of the bat. You know, he got lost in the shuffle for whatever reason. He was unhappy with the Jets, uh, felt he was being underutilized. Now he gets a chance to start all over again against with a team that's considered an up-and-coming team as well, and with a quarterback that will get you the ball. You know, yep. Jared Goff will we'll find a way to get you the ball if you're open. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at the season Goff had last year, almost 4,500 yards passing. Excellent year. You know. 65% completion rate. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I think he's a really good addition to Detroit's passing game. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, St. Brown is the headliner, but he's not he's not this prima donna type wide receiver. Um, it, it's not about me. They spread the wealth there. Um, when you when you look at what they have on their roster in terms of pass catchers now, it's you know. For a team that just barely missed the playoffs, um, I, I think I, I don't know right now if there's a team that he could have landed with that, that puts him in a better position. Maybe a team like a Houston, you know. But yeah, but, he but, might get more opportunity. Yeah, maybe. Opportunity. Yeah. But going to a team like Detroit, that's huge for him. Yeah. No, I listen. I'm with you. So it, it, it's smart. I mean, and again, the Jets get a little something where they were probably gonna, not going to get much. Uh, so he goes there. Uh, the Packers. This one was interesting. So the Packers profit margin, Derek, declined 11.7 million from 21 to 22. They, I think they'll be okay. I think they'll survive. They still made 68.8 million. All right. But um, part of it is they had a home game in London, which hurts their gate a little bit. There was a lawsuit that, that came down uh, that, that hurt them as well. So there were a couple things that played into it. Now this is viewed as temporary next year their their profits are expected to go up again because they don't have the same thing. And the TV deal really kicks in hard for NFL teams next year, but it just tells you how much money's being made here. Like they had a down year and still made $68.8 million at the end of the day. You know? Yeah. And that's not, that's not even counting how much money they made from the league, the league revenues itself. Exactly. Okay. Um, That's one thing. Wouldn't you like to be in a business where on your worst day, you're still making millions? Yes. <laughs> on your worst day, yes. as an individual or an organization, you're still making millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. It's you know. a license to print money. You wonder why Josh Harris is doing this. Well, there's a reason why. He's going to make himself a lot of money, man. And, uh, and the, fact, sure. the, the fact that NFL teams still can't give their players lifetime worth of health health benefits, that's a tragic, a, a real travesty. You know, there's no way former players should not have. Um, there's no way th- their players here, uh, players in the NFL should not have lifetime wealth and benefits when you when you consider um, what they put their bodies through, the CTE factor, so on and so forth. They should be at the forefront of taking care of their players. Yeah, Plain it's so. wrong. It's wrong. It is wrong. Uh, Boomer Esiason and Chad Ochocinco Johnson both go into the Bengals Hall of Fame. I guess my first question was, what took so long? What, what took so long for either guy? You know, 
Boomer, Boomer was drafted there 40 years ago. It's like, what are we doing here? Uh, weird, but they're both deservedly in, uh, you know, for the Bengals. About time, wouldn't you say? I That's my only reaction is, duh, you know, really? Okay. If those two aren't in, I, I don't know. Uh, Eddie Jackson, the safety from the Bears, says he will have the best season any safety's ever had. Okay. Really? Okay. The thought in Chicago is he's on the downside. They're worried about him. He hasn't played nearly as well the last couple of years as he played, you know, the first six, seven years of his career. So Eddie Jackson's a good safety, first of all. But if the rumor's getting out that that he might be on the downside, that didn't just come from nowhere. Right. Somebody in the team leaked that. You know, somebody up behind the team leaked that, number mm-hmm. one, number two. And if you need that, if you need that for self-motivation, then you stand in the mirror in your home and you look in the mirror and you tell yourself, this is going to be my best season. Yeah, yeah. You put that out there publicly, every time you make a mistake, miss a tackle, miss a potential INT, that's going to be headline news. Well, especially in a market like Chicago. It's a weird, I, I don't know. I don't know what you're trying to do. I, I, I You better be good. You're going to say that. I don't oh, know. my goodness. I, I, you know what? I, I, I give up trying to figure out today's players, man. Yeah. I, I figured out. Well, you know, don't give. It's bad enough you put yourself on a pedestal like that. Don't give the general public headline material like that to use against you. Yeah, fodder. You're giving them fodder. That's all you're doing. You know, um, all right. Besides that, Isaiah Pacheco, the Chiefs running back, he had surgery uh, on his shoulder and his hand uh, okay. during the offseason. But he says he absolutely will be ready come September 7th when they played the Lions on that Thursday night. So he, he's, he said it's not a problem at all. Trust the staff. We're able to work out a plan. He's good to go. He's been a limited participant uh, in the practices that they've been holding here. And, uh, you know, once camp starts, they will, they'll play it by ear. But it, like you mentioned earlier, it's him and it's uh, McKinnon and Edwards Hilaire. Um, but he, he had a big year for them last year out of Rutgers. He's a South Jersey kid. So he's, he says he's going to be ready. I don't understand why you wait till this late to, to take care of stuff like that. I know Barron explained it a lot of times. You try rehabbing things first yeah. before you go to the surgery. But if I'm a player, and especially if I'm coming off a big year like a Super Bowl year, um, and, and, and I've got to carry that over because I'm, I'm I'm working towards better goals financially. Right. I don't want any type of setbacks. You know, get that stuff taken care of. You mean to tell me doctors couldn't identify in February, March, or April? that you need a surgery yeah. not until July. Really? You know, yeah. No, I, I, it's a fair, it's fair. I, I, I'm with you. I, I don't know. Um, all right. Beyond that, Derek, uh, Deion Sanders had a lot of health problems, coach of Colorado. So he is going to have, he's going to undergo two surgeries on his leg and his foot. I'll have the work done. He's going to have work done on his, his left toes to get them straightened out. Part, Part of the issue he's having with the toes is they're they're messed up from playing football and they're crooked and all that. He doesn't get the blood flow that he needs. Okay, so part of this is to get the blood flow, the proper blood flow, and he's you know he's in a lot of pain too. So it's a combination of both things. Uh, you know, he's had he had the blood clot issues. I said this to you guys during the, the pre-show meeting. I'm like, look, I get he loves it. Should this guy really be coaching? Eh. I, 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 no. I would. I mean, he's going to be up and down the sideline on a scooter. He's not going to be yeah. able to walk him and down the sideline. And the part of the problem is he's having this done to help alleviate some of the pressure when he wears a shoe. Yeah. So 
You don't need the money. And no. I understand the competitive juices take over, and he's excited about you know what he was able to accomplish at Jackson State. And now you're going to go to Division One and see if you can do it with a Colorado team. Yeah, uh, it's coming off a one-win season. I get all that, but at some point you got to step back and say, um, "I, I, I got to take care of me." Yeah. In the daily rigors of walking up and down the sideline or being there for practices, you're there from daybreak to to, to late into the night. You don't have a lot of time to rest your body, mm-hmm. you know. And you got to figure out. How am I going to get up and down sidelines on game day? Because here's the thing. If you're up and down the sideline on a scooter, an opposing player comes and trips over your scooter, yeah, we're talking lawsuit for the university. Yeah, I don't even know if they would allow them to do that, honestly. Like, I, it's it, it could be too much of a danger. You know, I don't know. I don't know how he's going to do it, to be honest. Yeah. Do you put, do you put it – do you let him coach from a box up top? Mm-hmm. You know, do you do you have his his subordinates on the sideline and he feeds them information down below? I re, I, oh, I think I said did. this to you before when we were talking about this. So when Joe Paterno was older, way obviously he was way older, but right. he got his leg broken on the sideline and yep. he went up and coached the rest of the year from the booth and he didn't like it. But what else were you going to do? And, and they might have to do that at least for a while with Dion. I don't know. I, yeah, at I, the end of the day, I'm not sure. The thing is, I'm kind of surprised also if he had this kind of this foot issue and stuff. And I know he, he had the foot amputated, what, what last year was toes, it? Toes, 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 not I mean, the toe amputated, uh, you know, and he's in his fifties. I wonder why he waited this long. I mean, if this has been a problem since he retired, I wonder why he waited this long to address this issue. I'm assuming he probably tried a lot of different things, you know, over the years and it just finally got to the point of no return. You know, I mean, mm. it's such a, you obviously don't want to go there. It's the last, resort um yeah it's a good question i don't know um back to the holdout thing this one with zach martin which we discussed yesterday he's making seven million a year and he's considered you know a top three guard in the nfl certainly um you can make a case he's the most valuable cowboy uh or at least top you know again top two or three he apparently is really ticked off like i know saquon's mad I, it seems like there's a lot going on behind the scenes here with Zach Martin and people say there is no shot that he shows up for camp that, that know him. So this is going to be, this one's going to be fun to watch here. Make your sit back popcorn, you know, watching this one. I don't know if he'll miss a paycheck though. I mean, I don't think he'll miss a paycheck. No, he knows the offense inside and out. The only thing is he'll have to shake off some rust when he gets ready for the regular season. But yeah, I think um, this guy will be all right. If, if he just jumps in there and gets going. And this is a story that just surfaced recently. They kept this one way under the radar for a long time. You know, I don't know if he was another guy who thought, you know, Jerry Jones promised me he's going to take care of me. And all of a sudden, deadline comes and goes, and he and he can't get get any, didn't get anything. Um, yeah, tell you what, man, this this uh, this off season as we get closer to camp, some great storylines out know. there. You know, well, uh, right. First of all, and secondly, again, appreciate none of this is going on with the Eagles. There you go. No, everything's camel out here. So far, so good. Uh, did you see this one? Uh, the rookie uh, Jordan Addison, who the uh, the Vikings drafted out of uh, USC, he's going to be the guy who replaces Adam Thielen, or at least you know is in the mix there with them. He so he got a speeding citation. He was doing a buck forty at three a.m. last uh, last night. This early this morning, three a.m. this morning, he was doing one hundred and forty. Ish. Come on, isn't the story still fresh in all of our minds 
what happened to the Raiders wide receiver who's yeah. doing jail time now yeah. and innocently killed somebody. I mean, yeah. I mean, see, that's what I keep saying, Rob. You can put all these edicts out here. You always have some player or players who are going to test the waters on a number of things, whether it's steroids, whether it was marijuana, you know, uh, speeding. How many times do we need to see the story? Why? Why? I don't care if you have a car that goes 300 miles an hour. Yeah. Why do you need to do it on a main street? Or why do you need to do it in general? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, it's, it's it's the it's part of, I guess, uh, you know, feeling, you know, invincible at 21, 22 years old. Uh, but, you know, it's, uh, yeah, he was on I, you probably know this road, I-94. I don't that's know the I, Minnesota area. Yeah. Yeah, it goes, it goes through, 94 goes through Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Illinois. Okay. The main thing, uh, yeah, uh, dude. It's a 55. It's a 55, and he was doing yes. a buck 40. Yes. Jeez. And what time of night was it? Uh, 3 a.m. this morning. Dude, you, you don't mess around like that. There's still a lot of traffic on the road at that time of the morning. Yes. I got you. I, I don't get it. Dude. I, I'm speechless at this stuff, dude. And you know what? Next month, we're going to talk about somebody else speeding. And the next season, somebody else speeding. And it, it's, dude, how many, how, many, how many of these incidents do we have to see? Somebody's got to wake up. If I'm a, if I'm a if I'm a, a, a former player who speaks at these symposiums, if I'm a team, a general manager, team security, you've given them the edicts, you've written all the edicts, and they're still doing it. What are you gonna do? There's nothing else. You, at some point, it's on them. Yeah, at some point, it's on them. Um, all right, let's uh, let's go back to our greatest series, and today we're gonna do the New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints mm. will be the team that we dip into, as always. Derek, you get uh, you get first uh, say here, first crack at this one. Well, let's see. I'm gonna start with um, Archie Manning. Okay. Um, Good choice. Usually, when we talk about the greatest players of uh, all time on a team. We talk about the the individual accolades, individual accolades they achieve. Yeah. Uh, this dude, Archie Manning, who is still a well-known name, who has produced two future Hall of Fame sons, two sons that have won Super Bowls. His career was everything but that. He played on some of the worst Saints teams ever. There's a great story from Jack Youngblood when he played with the Rams that both Archie and Jack tell, that when the Rams played the Saints, they used to tattoo Archie Manning so bad, they stopped hitting him as hard as they could because they felt sorry for him. And Youngblood would actually help pick him up off the ground. <laughs> this man was sacked 337 times in his career with the Saints. You want to know what his uh, his record was as a starter with the Saints? Yeah, you have any ahead. idea? No. I know, it's, I know they were an expansion team, so it's bad, but go ahead. 35-101-1. Oh, <laughs> okay. Oh, oh. He had he had 125 touchdown passes, 173 interceptions. Oh my God! And yet he was so highly respected in his career, in his tenure, in his nine seasons with New Orleans. Uh, correction: in his entire career as a quarterback in the National Football League, he never played on a winning team. Uh, you know, he he played also in in Houston and I think Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. never played on a team that got to the playoffs. Never played on a team that won. <laughs> I'm like, dude, Keith, you know, Keith, if, good. If it weren't under that old, if it weren't for bad luck, you'd have no luck at all. I know. 
It's true. Like, so he's the SEC player of the year in college. Like he's up for the Heisman. He, he's in the, he's in the conversation for the Heisman. I, I think he was the first overall pick. I mean, it, what, if this guy had gone anywhere else that was an established team, he, he would have had a great career. He just had yeah. some bad, bad yeah. luck. He took a beating, um, but yeah. he's so, even today, he's still Classic. so revered. So, so revered down in Houston. Yeah. They still think of him as a god down there. I mean, yeah. down in uh, the New Orleans area. Yep. Yeah, um, no, he's that's a good I had, to put him, I had to put him on a list for the wrong reasons. No, but he deserves props. You're right. That's a good one. That's a good one. Look, the obvious one is Drew Brees, right? I mean, Drew yes. Brees holds the record for yards, for touchdowns, for completions, uh, you know, 80,000 yards in the NFL. 571 touchdowns, 7142 comps, uh, Super Bowl MVP, 13 Pro Bowls, a guy who was considered damaged goods with a shoulder yep. issue that failed yep. his, you know, physical in Miami. And Nick Saban's still angry about it to this day because he was the coach during that time. Uh, all day, every day, Drew Brees. I mean, just insane career. You know, he dropped in the draft because of two things. So many experts, so-called experts questioned his size yep. and his arm strength and accuracy. And all he did said it was, you say I can't, I'll show you I can. Mm-hmm. And once uh, he got out of San Diego and got the shoulder situation straight, he couldn't have fallen in a better spot in, in a Peyton, uh, a Sean Payton type scheme, and a Pete Carmichael offense. Um, and, the, and and the rest is is legendary. You're right. He holds every team record in every category you can possibly think about uh, for a quarterback. Um, I used to just love watching him play. Just because he was so cool and calm in the pocket, um, he so many of his passes were outside of the, the, the so-called tackle lane, so he could right. see down the field better. Just a consummate competitor. I loved how he would stand back there and pat the ball, and he always had more than enough time. Most quarterbacks take the five to seven step drop. This man would take like eight to ten step drops. So mm-hmm. he. Yeah, because he could see. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's what they did. And give Peyton yeah. credit; he wasn't afraid to go with a smaller guy. And, and get the most out of them, for sure. And wow, did he get the most out of them. That man's got over 80,000. One of only two quarterbacks with only 80, with 80,000 yards passing. Incredible. 80,000 yards passing in a career. Yep, that's longevity right. and greatness right there. All right, yep. who else do you have? Uh, Ricky Jackson. Got to go Ricky yeah. Jackson. Yep. Uh, one of the best linebackers in team history, 13 seasons with the Saints. In 13 seasons, he only missed two games with the mm. Saints. Mm. Now, he had 136 career sacks eight of those were considered unofficial sacks because it was in 1981 when they really didn't keep stats on on, on, uh, quarterback sacks so officially at 128 sacks okay um he was a part of rob Rob, do you realize he was a part of a quartet of linebackers one year all four linebackers played the pro bowl yeah it's so he sam mills who was incredible right we'll probably talk about uh who was the other one swilling or, uh, Swelling and yeah. Vaughn Johnson. Vaughn Johnson. Yeah, they were loaded at that position. They were. Now, they we, were... We, we talk about the linebackers teams like the Steelers had in a day. Right. The Bears had. This quartet is, is, is still today arguably looked upon as the best linebacking quartet in the history of pro football. Mm-hmm. You think about how many great linebackers have come through this game. But yep. that's how good and talented this group was. But, but he, you know, Ricky, he, he parlayed his, his career into the Hall of Fame career. He was what, what did they call him back then? Uh, the Dome Patrol. That's what they yeah. were. The yep. Dome Patrol. Um, but Ricky, great, just just a great, great physical talent. Uh, Ricky Jackson de- definitely makes the list. The good one. Go ahead. And one more with him with Ricky. 
He had 38 forced fumbles. He was an expert at stripping the ball. 38 forced fumbles is a, a ton uh, career-wise. All right, I'll give the offensive line a little love. How about Willie yeah. Rofe? W- Willie oh. Rofe was a stud. Nine years with the Saints, seven Pro Bowls, four All-Pros. You know, just just line them up. They were worried about – I think he played at Louisiana Tech or whatever. They were worried yep. about his level of competition coming out, and he showed everybody. Uh, Willie Rofe was just – greatness at, at that at that offensive line spot so give him and durable and durable yeah. only only missed 13 games in nine years yeah that's a that's a common thread with a lot of these guys they didn't miss a lot of time yeah not bad sure. at all yep um, uh go ahead what do you got next i'm gonna stay on the offensive line and go with somebody we're familiar with uh jari evans jari yep and we frankfurt zone he went to frankfurt yep. high school yep. recently retired um he was a fourth round pick um, he was he was projected to be a, a project for a while, went down there and excelled better than anybody thought and became the premier right guard for the Saints team for a long time, even as Super Bowl winning team. Um, technically sound, strong as a Brahma Bull, uh, durable, didn't miss many games. Um, he had, He got a contract at one point. It was a seven-year, six fifty-six million dollar deal. Mm-hmm. At that time, made him the highest-paid right guard in, in the pro football, and he deserved it at the time. He did. He deserved. It. Yeah, yeah, sure did. He, he was that good. Yeah, he played. He played at Division Two Bloomsburg. He broke yeah. his leg his senior. I think it was his senior year in high school, Derek. And then teams just backed off. And yep. smartly, you know, Bloomsburg was like, "Hey, we still got a spot for you." And he went up there and he dominated there. But again, it was the same deal. Who was he playing against? Not playing against yep. anybody. This guy's not going to be able to play in the NFL. And there you go. Uh, had a great career. Uh, I'll stay. I'll stay with Philadelphia. Marquise Colston. He's a there Philly guy. Uh, almost ten thousand yards receiving uh, in his career. Seven hundred and eleven receptions. Was a solid big uh, target for Drew Brees uh, the whole time that Brees was there. Move the chains kind of guy, but could also do some things down the field for you. Uh, very good, very good player. Good size too. He he was quicker than fast, but he was a rangy guy, long arms, made unbelievable catches at time. Didn't drop many passes. Yeah, I love I loved watching him as a player. Phenomenal talent mm-hmm. on a football field. Yeah, he was good. Um, he was good. Uh, who gonna, else? Yeah, if you have anybody else, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to the other side of the ball. I'm gonna go Cam Jordan, who's still playing. Who's oh, playing yeah. for him now? Oh, I mean, yeah. this man has 115 sacks. Has spent his entire 12 year career with the New Orleans Saints, 34 years old. When he mm-hmm. came out in the NFL draft in 2011, he was the fifth DN taken in the draft, not the second or third. Wow. He was the fifth. Is he really? In that draft, they had J.J. Watt, Robert Quinn, Ryan Kerrigan, Adrian Claiborne all went ahead of him. Huh. And that's a, that's a pretty done, loaded class. That, that's that's crazy. Wow. All he's done is turn that into an unbelievable career. Six seasons uh, down there so far with double-digit sacks. Uh, great edge presence, smart, containing the run, uh, getting by these bigger tackles nowadays, still playing at a high level. Uh, I expect him to have another Pro Bowl-type season this year. Yeah, they Pro Bowls to his credit. I expect him to have number nine this year. Yeah, I don't see him slowing down. All right, I'll give Pat Swilling a little love just to just yeah. dig into it a little bit more. Six-time Pro Bowler. He was the 1991 Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, that's how good this guy was. I mean, he was a, he was ferocious. So uh, you had to account for him wherever he was on the field. You know, with him and maybe you, I don't know if you're going Sam Mills next, but those guys, like you said, were just awesome. Um, 
you know, in his whole career, because he finished his career after he left New Orleans, he finished his career in Detroit and with the Raiders. He had a chance to play in six playoff games in his career. Yep. He was on a, he was on a losing end in all six. Oh man. Is that right? You're talking about man, what do I have to do just to get a playoff? Some guys game? just have bad luck. You know what I mean? And the other guys are just like sort of second stringers and they end up winning like three rings. Like, like, these guys just gave their heart and soul and they Yes. Oh yeah, it's frustrating. That's for sure. Um I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go off the, I'm gonna go off the rail a little bit and I'm gonna bring Morton Anderson. Yes, well, one of the greatest figures in a game. Mm-hmm. He played 13 of his seats. You know, he played in the NFL 25 years. He was around forever, forever. Like it wasn't that long ago he retired. It wasn't even. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah. He played 13 seasons down in New Orleans. Seven time pro. He was one of the few kickers that got drafted in like mid level, mid round. I think it was a fourth round draft pick, something like that. Um, he's like still the second, I believe, the second highest scorer in the history of the NFL in terms of points. Yeah. Yeah, you know, of course, when you're around, when you're around 25 years, what do you expect? Um, he, what is? Let's see, what's, what's the uh, highest ever streak of uh, consecutive scoring games? The highest streak, 360 consecutive games where he scored a, a point in. That's pretty good. I, I mean, he's at the mercy of his team, but that means he's probably making some long field goals and doing a lot of stuff. That's that's Absolutely. pretty cool. Yeah, that's very cool. I'd put Morton Anderson on the list. All right, I'll just I'll throw Sam Mills in there. You know, the undersized, unbelievable story. Went to Montclair State in, yep. in in New Jersey. Played for the Stars in the USFL and was a great player for the Stars. And again, how many times have we heard this? He's too small, or he's okay. He's doing it in, in the USFL, and yep. then he came over and was a great player, and, and he was a great person too. Uh, he was only five now. It's a shame he passed uh, at such a young age. Also. Very young cancer yeah sadly but the great dude great guy uh, all right that's uh let's get a timeout and let's come back and we'll hit a couple different things i have a question for you uh in regards to two movies that are coming out today and to see, to, i'm going to gauge which one you are closer to uh in terms of seeing which one is Wait, coming out more, today or tomorrow today Okay. All right. Are you in one camp or the other? So let's do that when we come back. We'll we'll right. uh, we'll hit that. We got a lot of movie, a lot of birthdays and movies too. Uh, when we return, as we roll into the final segment, that's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. All right, we're going to talk right now about Razor Technology, Razor Technology and infrastructure management. IT IT infrastructure environments are more complex and heterogeneous than they have ever been before. Consequently, teams struggle to respond to pressing issues with speed necessary to promote positive business results and the data that powers predictive monitoring and automation is often left unexploited. Razor Technology addresses this challenge with a holistic approach that connects every part of an organization's technology assets, enabling proactive and secure IT operations without sacrificing the agility that drives innovation. Razor Technology automates monitoring and management to bolster IT teams that are feeling stretched thin and It improves auditing and reporting procedures so that actionable insights find their way to the leaders that need them most. Save time and money on your IT and cloud services and secure your organization with leading end-to-end infrastructure solutions by calling Razor Technology today at 866-797-3282, 866-797-3282, or visit them online at razor-tech.com. That's razor-tech.com.
Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you're having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. All right, we're back. Final segment of the show. Uh, Derek and Rob Elton. Is it thundering where you are? Just got where you're shot, and your lighting's good, but I can tell your background just got super dark. Like, it looks like it's outside. It got way darker, correct? Um, in spots, yeah, but I'm sitting here, we're talking, and normally uh, the landscaper's out there, so I'm thinking the landscaper drops something, yeah. And so I just asked my kids who were working in it, I said, Are you guys hearing thunder? And they're saying, Yeah, dad, super loud. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, yeah, it's not thunder, it's not thundering where you are. It looks like it looks like we're about to get pounded, uh, rain wise, so yeah, you're you're probably getting it first, and it's headed this way, I would guess. Yeah, but you're you're shy. I could just tell the background; it's darker. You know, your yeah, your light, yeah. your whatever's coming in there. Um, yeah. All right, the so end here's is near. The end is near. <laughs> Blink once. No. Um, here's a question I have for you: Two movies coming out. Yep. The Barbie movie and Oppenheimer. A little different in content. All right. We know what Barbie is, the doll, the whole nine. You know, Oppenheimer is based on what was it? Uh, Julius Robert Oppenheimer who was the father known as the father of the atomic bomb, right? Uh, his role, he organized the Manhattan project, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, which are you Derek Gunn? Are you more of a Barbie or are you more of an Oppenheimer? I can't believe you're asking me this question. I'm serious. Barbenheimer I'm serious. is what they're calling it. Yeah. 
I'm sitting there going, is he really about to ask me this question? Here's the thing. So my wife and my wife and daughters, uh, they, I forgot what movie they went to about a month ago. They yeah. had a good time, my wife and two daughters. And yeah. so they started talking about the Barbie movie uh, a couple of days ago. And one of them asked me, would you go see it with us? I'm like, heck no. 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 Yeah. No. no, I'm not even going to watch it if it comes on TV. No, I'm not going to see that. Oppenheimer, I said I like movie blowing up stuff. I love history. So if and, and I probably won't go to the theater to see that. I didn't go to the theater to see Fast and the Furious 10. I paid for I paid 20 bucks and watched it on TV. Um, let's see, what was another movie that came out? Another movie I want. Oh, I didn't go see John Wick in the movie I wanted to. I paid 20 bucks and watched it on TV. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I would I know I wouldn't go see the Barbie movie in the theaters. I'm interested in seeing the movie Oppenheimer once it comes out on demand. Okay. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm the same way. I you couldn't get me near the Barbie movie. Okay, uh, even though I'm a big fan of Margot Robbie, you couldn't get me anywhere near that thing. Wait, However, wait, wait, you said Margot Robbie. Wait, hold up. Uh, she's oh, Barbie. Okay. Yes, I know. Strong. Very. Well, here's the thing. Here's the only way. JM said he owns Crocs. Barbie movie. Okay. See, this is what happened when you yeah, let people I, into you your just, personal Yeah, you be life. honest and you get you get killed for it. Yeah. And use it against you. Yes. Tone's going to see Oppenheimer. I would watch Oppenheimer. I would not you can't couldn't get me near Barbie, but yeah. Here's the only re only way I would go see a movie like Barbie. Barbie. Yeah. If my two-year-old granddaughter, when she gets a little older, she starts this, please not that come with me, please. I would go there. She's already now. Come with me. Come with me. Please. I'm like, I'm busy. I got to do Please. And you drop what you're doing and you go with the two-year-old. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yep. The Jedi mind trick works every time. They so when she gets four, five, six, you know, 10 years old, if she uh, says, please, would you come with me to this this ballet recital? Or I'm like, okay, let's go. Right, yeah, you're okay. easy, man. I know. She oh, got... yeah, you wait. You wait. Your daughter's going to be in that boat one day. I know. I know. I'm you're already there be, now. You're going to be there yeah. like this. I can't believe I'm sitting here watching this. I just, I just can't. But yep, you got to do like it. Dance recitals back in the day. I got yes, like, oh, you got to do it. When are we done? All right, uh, let's go birthdays, Derek. Let's go. Guess mm. whose birthday is today? Your 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 favorite basketball player, Ben Simmons, oh, twenty seven yeah. years old today. Good old Benny. Yep, he is twenty seven today. Uh, Natalie Wood, the actress, uh, married to Robert Wagner back in the Great day. Shame. But yeah, shame. Died at, I think, 40, 41, something, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, she was born in 1938. You know uh, what she, do you know when she got an acting? She was eight years old when she was in one of her most successful films, Miracle on 34th Street. Was she was one a of little kid. Yep. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. She did it her whole life, yeah. Uh, Sandra Oh, uh, the actress, Grey's Anatomy, 52 yep. years old. Singer Carlos Santana. Uh, one of my favorites. Oh, my incredible guitarist. Incredible. 76 years old, still doing it, still touring, still doing his thing. Uh, another one of my favorite all-timers, Chris Cornell. Unfortunately, we lost him very young. Uh, Soundgarden uh, and many other bands, uh, many other. Audio Slave. Uh, he was uh, he was born in 64. Mrs. Formerly Mrs. Tom Brady, Giselle Bunchen is 43 today. Giselle. Uh, Judy Greer, the actress, is 48 today. Uh, Juliana Huff, this dancer, and and I guess she's an actress too. She's yeah. thirty-five. Uh, Diana Rigg, the actress from back in the day, is uh, is thirty-eight years. Was born she in nineteen thirty. Game of Thrones, also. Oh, was she? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, Terry Irwin, who was the Crocodile Hunters uh, wife, um, Steve Irwin. She is fifty-nine years old today. 
Dean Winters, the actor, is 49 today. <clears throat> Steven Adams, the NBA player, is 30 today. Ray Allen, NBA Hall of Famer, 48 years old today. Omar Epps, who I don't think we've seen enough stuff. Uh, I don't he's either. Seen a ton. He's, I don't know what's going on, but he needs to be in more stuff. He's 50 years old today. Great actor. I, he's awesome in everything he's in. Uh, Donna Dixon, she was married to Dan Aykroyd. Uh, actress is 66 today. The Griffin brothers, Shaquem and Shaquille, are 28 today. Um, Josh Holloway, actor from Lost, is 54 today. Steven Strasburg, uh, who is oft injured, the, the pitcher, is, is 35. Still, is he still pitching? He's still on the on the Nationals roster, but he's you know he's collecting a check. He can't he he, he can't stay healthy. It was a big risk and it burned them. Uh, Peter Forsberg, former Flyer, uh, former Colorado Avalanche, is 50 years old today. Uh, Mike Illich, who owned the Detroit Red Wings, he's the founder of Domino's Pizza, is uh, was born on this day, 1929. And Chuck Daly, the former Bad Boys coach, Team USA, was a Sixers assistant coach to Penn way back in the day, was born on this day in 1930. All right, what mm. else do you have? Uh, John Fa uh, John Francis Daly, uh, who co-wrote the movie uh, Horrible Bosses, which is funny. No, it is funny. Uh, yeah. 38 years old. Lola Albright, uh, who played in the old series back before your time, Peter Gunn, was a big-time detective series in the 60s. Okay. Was born on this day in 1924. Kim Carnes, the singer, 78. Former Major League catcher, two-time Golden Glover, Benji Molinas, 49 a day. Uh, former right fielder, DH, Tony Oliva, is 85 today. Uh, Jake Scott, who was a safety for that undefeated Dolphins team in 1972. He was a good player. Yeah. Yes, he was. He was a, a good returner also. He was born on this day in 1945. And stellar offensive lineman. I think he's out of the league. Well, yeah, he's 43. Jordan Gross, who played for Carolina for a long time. He had solid a good tackle. Yeah. Was four, is 43 today. Okay. Okay. Oh, good. just opened up. Oh. Uh, it's coming down, yeah. Woo. Yeah. Uh, all right. So beyond that, let's go. Uh, let's go movies. And um, hit you with a couple. One of our favorites, uh, Equalizer 2. Uh, yep. 2018 with Denzel Washington. Apparently they're making a third, so that's good. That is a good thing. Um, the Dark Knight 2012. Right. Dark Knight Rises from 2012. Uh, 1984, Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, 1979, very underrated movie. I talk about a lot, Breaking Away. Uh, yep. with Dennis Quaid, very good movie. Uh, 2007, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, which was Adam Sandler and uh, Kevin... Uh, who's the guy from King of Queens? Kevin... Yep. Oh my God, Kevin. Anyway, somebody will say it on here. Um, Hairspray, 2007. Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, 2018. 1988, Midnight Run, which is again a very underrated movie. It's De Niro and uh, uh, who else is in that? Groden, Charles Groden. They're they're the two that in, are in that. Any others that I am missing? Uh, one good movie is really good. Train to Busan is a good movie. Okay. Uh, and that's the only one I can say. That's the only one. Okay. Okay. Um, so, uh, last thing, it's Ben Simmons' birthday. Um, it's coming down. Yeah. <laughs> now, my last, here's the thing. My landscaper, he hustled. Kevin James. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. I Kevin don't know James, how yeah. I like on Kevin James. That's bad. Uh, my, bad. Um, my bad. He hustled to finish the front yard. I wonder if he did the backyard. If not. Oh, he got caught in it while he was out there. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. I mean, dude, it's like raining sideways right now. Oh, man. Yeah, that's especially with get all his boat, equipment. He's got to get his ready. equipment back in the truck and get the heck out of Dodge. You know, yeah. Get get your uh, boat ready, dude. 
Yeah. No, I hear you. All right. Well, listen, we, uh, we're out of time. Um, we want to thank Tone, the Shields, for producing the program. Thank you, Tone. I uh, want to thank uh, all of our friends in the chat section. Thank you to all of you listening, all of you streaming. You guys are absolutely the best. Uh, don't go anywhere because you have the National Football Show with Dan Cilio uh, coming your way. And Derek and I <clears throat> continue. We roll right into tomorrow at the same hey, time. Here's, you good, got, here's a good yeah. thing also. Yeah. You you get to see the, the last half inning of the Phillies game. I don't know if I want to see the last half inning the way this is. Yeah. I would say look at the box. Look at the box score before you look at the game. I got you. All right. All right. Uh, well, yeah. We'll, we'll t- whatever whatever the case. We'll talk about it tomorrow. However, yep. it, you know, it, it finishes out. And they start a series at Cleveland uh, over the weekend. So we'll get into the pitching matchups for that. All right. That's going to do it for us. We're back at the same time tomorrow for Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. Uh, you've been watching Sports Take. Appreciate you guys. See you tomorrow. Thank you. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. 